Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carrick. Great to have you with us. How was the weekend, kids? It was great. I was concerned at the beginning there. You were, you were a little choked up. So a, I, I got a little tickle in my throat. Oh, no. Yeah, but Allergy I, I, season. It, it is. It really is. Oh, yeah. I just all took the my pollen. medicine right now, right yeah. before we started. So yeah. I don't I think Carrie is the most sniff. affected of us. Oh, I'm, I'm really bad, Randy. Like, yeah. it, it's... My allergies, I will sneeze continuously. My eyes will... I have had to leave outdoor events because I couldn't see anymore. My eyes swell up. They itch. I'm like, I got to get inside. Get into some AC. We have found the football player that prefers artificial (laughs) turf. (laughs) Yes. Yes, the one. (laughs) What a weekend it was here on a sports level here in St. Louis. The Cardinals salvaging a... We're, we're happy with it, the fact that they with the fact that they salvaged a split with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Hey, but give the Pirates some credit, Randy. Why? Because they're 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 the Pirates. No, you yeah, don't they're major wanna... league players. They're major league. Players. There you go. They, they they get paid to play. They yeah. are you know third in the division right now. Cardinals. Hey, we moved up a spot. Yeah, here we're, come, we're working. Here come the Cardinals. <laughs> uh, we also and we'll touch on these. We had a good weekend for City SC. Not a great weekend for your St. Louis BattleHawks, but we'll get to that in a moment. First of all, the Cardinals did play the Pirates over the course of the weekend, so you, you knew what happened on Thursday and Friday. Montgomery was great on Thursday, not so great on Friday. And then on Saturday, you get to the 10th inning, and Jordan Hicks coughs it up. He allows a two-run homer to Andrew McCutcheon and another run. He was just not very good, and I would suggest that he is uh, like a major concern right now for your St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, well, and from here on out, it sounds like he will only be used in low-leverage situations. To yeah. that I say, obviously... Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But you hate to have a guy that you can't trust yeah. when you're at this level. And you only have 13 pitchers, which is really not enough now. I mean, mm-hmm. Ali Marmol told us the other day about how many pitchers he didn't have available. So now you've got a guy that you can only use when you're behind in games by a bunch of runs. I mean, that is low leverage, and that's really troubling for well, a franchise. You can't send him down either. Yeah, and, and you hate that too because you would think with his stuff – we all know how fast he can throw. You would like to see him in high leverage situations. Oh, yeah. If, if he's throwing 103, but here's the thing. He got beat the other day 
Ali Marmol talked about this on throwing seven straight sliders. If you have a guy that throws 102, 103, I mean, what's a manager to think when he throws seven straight sliders? I think he had a pitch that he uh, felt like he was landing and stuck with it, and it ended up biting him. The interesting thing about, you know, throwing the sliders, there's something that I've seen, even when he's throwing his fastball, it's not getting getting people out. He's no. not. He, there isn't any swing and miss. There's a lot of contact on the fastball. It's almost like they either know it's coming, they're timing it up perfectly. It, it's something. I don't know if he's giving something away when he's throwing his fastball. It's not getting past people. So I can understand why he may feel he needs to throw the slider a little more because as hard as he does throw, it's still being hit. Well, you would think that. He, with with his speed and, and the way that he can throw that it should be swing and miss and it's more pitch for contact because these are yeah. big league hitters and they're going to figure out, figure you out especially when you've been in the league for as long as he has well right. it's I mean if you're throwing 103 and no and they don't know it's coming you shouldn't be able to get, make contact we, we watched Araldis Chapman when he came in and how hard he threw it was hard and maybe because it's a lefty maybe it's a different angle maybe that's the difference but there's something, and maybe he's tipping his pitches. I'm, in Jordan Hicks, I'm speaking of. There's something that is giving the uh, the the batter an idea that this pitch is coming right now, and I can make contact with it. Which is why, in his brain, he's probably feeling more comfortable throwing another pitch. You'd hope the Cardinals can fix him. You hope they have the the wherewithal on the major league staff because they can't send him down to fix him here. Meanwhile, the Cardinals did show some resiliency yesterday in the finale against the Pirates. Down three one, they go to the sixth inning. Wilson Contreras is on base, and Nude is at the plate. There's there you a go. drive deep to right field. Smith and Jigba says goodbye. Pepper grinder time. Nude bar with a lightning bolt ties this game. Lars, new bar fan club rejoice. So I posted this on Twitter because I'm trying to think of a name for our specific fan club. Because of course we are the Lars New Bar fan mm-hmm. club, but we need a name. So I put this out there. I want to see test the waters with you guys, okay? Okay. Newt Nation. Good. I can do Or my personal favorite, and I've been pushing this, but people haven't exactly gravitated towards it yet. The, <laughs> the the nutty neuters. Oh my god. Randy said Never commit to that I ahead will of time. until he heard the name and then it, <laughs> just <laughs> despair with, came across his face. Like, oh, well, I, here's the thing. I don't know if I can, uh, so, I don't know if I can agree to that one. I, I, I need to work here because I, I, I'm getting buy-in on J-Dub and Nay-Dub, so okay. I, I've got to be open-minded I about am, this. Okay, yes. And you know what? Newt Nation is great, but that's something that somebody else would think of. Only Brooke would think of the nutty neuters. Now, so. that could mean a lot of different things, Randy. It That's could mean right. a lot of different things. Yeah. Oh, uh, you got, uh, Brooke, if you want to go with the nutty neuters, we will, uh, we will uh, grudgingly be right by your side. You see, you can have, you can have both. You. We, you can have both. You know, you have the Newt Nation, simple, easily sells on Perfect. a t-shirt, but yeah. I think my Nutty Neuters also he, will sell really what is What is Newt Nation I'm very comprised serious about of? This. It's comprised of Nutty, nutty Neuters. Thank there you. you go. So we've got Murica, and then we've got Murica's. <laughs> yes. So the, the Nutty Neuters are, in fact, Newt Nation. There you go. They, they, uh, Perfect. That's what you did there, Randy. Exactly. Okay, I like it. I love the seriousness with which you think during the weekend. (laughs) Yes. I I sat there and I was like, you know what? This is it. Nutty neuters it is. 
Uh, Lars Taylor Tatsui Newtbar is his name. So it could yesterday, be the Tatsuis. With the Tatsuis, that'd be fun. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're, you're tied 3-3 as you head to the 10th inning yesterday. Uh, an RBI ground up by Smith and Jigba, who's brother, by the way, is going to get drafted next week in the NFL draft. Pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that makes a 4-3 Pirate lead as we head to the bottom of the 10th, but in the bottom of the 10th, Nolan Gorman comes through for the Redbirds. Swing, drive, hammer down the right field line. That ball is down. It's going to bounce over the fence. That'll be a ground rule double. Gorman with an ambush has tied this game at four. And the Cardinals weren't done because Tommy Edmond Finally got going. Ground ball. Cardinals win it on the first pitch. Tommy Edmond. Gotta go, Tommy. Cardinals win. 5-4 in 10. Tommy. 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 (laughs) Well, honestly, it... It's. I felt like you just needed that in so many different ways. John Ditton of MLB.com put out this little gem last night. The Cardinals, a miserable one for 16 in bases loaded situations this season prior to Sunday's 10th inning. And it was none other than Tommy Edmond, who was 0 for 15 with runners in scoring mm. position prior to the game winning hit. Wow. One for 16 with the bases loaded. That's. Rather dismal, I would say. It's troubling. But now you, you've got a hit, so you got to feel pretty good. Now, here's another thing about this weekend, though. For all of our consternation, legitimate consternation over the course of the first couple of weeks of the season about the starting rotation, last trip through, 2.22 ERA. Back to, we're, we're, we're working our way back in. Yeah. Uh, we're getting back to, to what we expected from our, our starting pitching. Maybe there was a little bit of concern, unnecessary concern, but still concern uh, to start off the season the first time through the rotation. It was didn't look great, but as you said, second time around, people are starting to uh, settle in and, and do their job better. Yep. 28 in the third innings in a 2.22. It's nice. Well, you think it's interesting because even Tommy Ed- Edmund afterwards, he mentioned that he kind of felt that sometimes early on the guys were like pressing and you have a lot of pressure early on. And then you even had Matt Holiday go on the fast lane last week. And he kind of said the same thing in regards to Wilson Gutierrez of some Sometimes you just really want to impress people right out of the gate, and you can really let that pressure get to you, really build up to the point where you have this happen, yeah. where it's it's basically guys just kind of struggling out there in situations that we know that they can handle typically. That happened to Matt. It happened to McGuire when he got traded here. It, it happens to a lot of, especially free agent guys that signed the big contract. Fortunately for Nolan, he hit that home run on opening day, and it was, it was pretty easy. But a lot of guys have that difficulty. So the Cardinals will take on the Diamondbacks tonight in the opener of a three-game series. Jack Flaherty going for the Redbirds. He of the 1-1 one one record and the 1.76 earned run average on the season. And he'll be opposed by Merrill Kelly, Adam Wainwright's teammate on the USA's uh, baseball winner, uh, baseball world classic team. Uh, Kelly 0-2 with a 2.93. He was an all-star last year. The City SC dominance has returned. They rolled Cincinnati FC on Saturday night. Game delayed. Still a massive crowd. Awesome crowd. But City SC got off and running and did not stop. This key pass is tied for 7th and MLS at 15. He knows how to stretch the game. It is Leuven. Good delivery. Skirts all the way through. Stroud takes it on the first time. And what a start for City. And it's Jared Stroud who opens the scoring. And they weren't done. You got goals from Lowen and Hebert and Giacchini, and you rolled 5-1. to one. Up at 1.5, nothing. Lost the clean sheet, but still 
a great bounce back win against a team that had the best record in the league. Yeah, it just felt like they got back to the game that we saw from them early on this season, right? Mm-hmm. Very dominant. That game was done in the first half. First half, by the way, Jared Stroud, a goal and assist in just the first half for City SC. And Cincinnati is a really good team. They allowed just four goals all season, none in the month of April going into City Park Stadium. Amazing. Good game. I mean, it's it's good to, as you said, the delay match. happened. I'm sorry, my apologies. In their kids. Good match. <laughs> um, you know, to get back on the winning streak, to, to get back on the winning side of things after having a couple of tough losses, it's it's always feels good. And have to have a dominant performance in that fashion is always good to to bounce back that way. Okay, pro tip for City SC. You're playing a Kroenke team next weekend. Just oh. So you know. Just so you know. Okay? I'm not going to – well, I'll wait until later in the week to make suggestions. But <laughs> – <laughs> uh, the last time our, uh, well, we, we haven't fared very well against the Kroenke teams lately, so we need we, Colorado Avalanche. So we, we need a W against that. I'm not even going to call them names. I won't. Against those guys. Those guys. Yeah, th- those guys. Tough one for the Battlehawks yesterday. Yeah. They lose 30-12 to 12 to Seattle. Yeah, you, 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 we, we're talking about a team that is, you know, fighting to make it into the playoffs. The top four teams make it in. Um, well, top two teams on each division make it in. It, it's going to be a – you don't want to lose that game. You don't want to want to take that loss. Seattle Sea Dragons are, uh, are they're a pretty good team. So they're, they're doing well. They're both 6-3 and three right now. I, I need to see – I would like to see more explosive plays from the offense. And and at times it's just not – it's just kind of – it seems like it's throttling, muddling around. I, I want to see more big plays uh, from the offense and get things done in that in that fashion. I wonder how badly McCarron is hurt. He's yeah. got a shoulder, and they were talking about how he couldn't throw the ball downfield. I wonder if that's a factor here. I, I'm, I'm sure it is. If you are – if you are – you know, we saw it in, in the playoffs last year with the with the Philadelphia, well, not the, the the 49ers when mm-hmm. Brock Purdy came back in. If you can't throw the ball downfield, defenses are just going to pin their ears back and get after you. Um, so hopefully, you know, health wise, he gets better and they start to roll a little bit more. But just the explosive plays is 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 what you need to see if you want to win games. Okay, I have a question for you guys. Did you notice that Ben DiNucci, their quarterback for Seattle, was kind of playing the heel yesterday? I didn't see him. He was, no, I yeah, didn't. yeah, just waving goodbye to the fans <laughs> after the <laughs> after Seattle had taken the Good league. For him. So we know who owns this league. Mm-hmm. Could there be somewhat of a script? Oh, Randy. No. No? Okay. No. Just ask this him. is this is this is sports, Randy. This you know, that wrestling thing, it's it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. This is sports. Okay. Okay. That entertain us. It's not a... Uh, not on the same level. We're not even going to put that out in the atmosphere. I, I will did. say the first game felt very <laughs> scripty, that first home yeah. game. Oh, yeah. no. Do you know very how, scripty. Here, here's, why, here's why it can't be scripted. Because these are men who are attempting to make it into the NFL. Mm-hmm. You, I, I, tell Bunny, this, Cunningham say. I, I tell people this all the time. It would be extremely hard to get 53 people in a locker room to agree to do something in that fashion. It's just not going to happen. You are all working. There's not enough money. (laughs) Money, money, money. It's not enough money. So you would have to really, you would have to really be breaking guys off. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay. Each player. Thanks for talking me off the ledge. All right. I'll take 2,000. No (laughs) way in. (laughs) I'll take a dollar. John Moran got hurt. He's going to at least miss game two. Man, he was up as high as he can go, fell down on his right 
right hand and had to leave the game and the, the Grizzlies are already in trouble against the Lakers who rolled them 128-112. Heat took care of the Bucks 130-117. The Heat lost Tyler Hero. The Bucks lost Giannis. Clippers over the Suns 115-110. to I don't know what the hell the Suns are thinking. That was uh, a good game. Gotta be better. And the T-Wolves were rocked by Matthews Nuggets 109 to 80. No surprise there. No surprise at all. It was a fun. I don't know if you all saw this. Matt, uh, Mike Conley, after they they won the playing game, was saying, you know, guys need to make sure we're in our playbooks, not playing video games. And you know, he's going through this whole spiel in his press conference, and then he got done, and you could hear Carl Anthony Towns yelling, "Hey, Mike, Call of Duty tonight!" Like it's oh, really. No. Like, this oh is, no. This is, <laughs> Kind of like, yeah, after we study our plays. And the whole <laughs> press room is like, oh, see, yeah, you you guys are going to get beat. You, Carl Anthony yeah. Towns, you'll have plenty of time this summer to play mm-hmm. Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and probably in about a week and a half. Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> a week Call and of a half. Duty all day and night, sir. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, three things we loved about the weekend with Brooke and Carrie and Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is time for three things we loved about the weekend on the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. And let's just start. CD, I'll go. Number three. Obviously, Everyone that listens knows that I am a huge NBA fan. And what better way to kick off the weekend than the NBA playoffs starting? My Golden State Warriors took a loss. We'll talk about it later, but that doesn't matter. The entire playoffs, there were some injuries. Things happened in the playoffs. This is why, Rock, I say if you get in, you have an opportunity. Everyone will say, oh, they're not going to beat the Bucks. They're not going to beat the, 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 uh, the Grizzlies. Well, if you got two stars that get hurt and they're going to miss time, anybody can win. But you can only win if you're what, Rock? If you're in. So, therefore, making it to the playoffs is extremely important. And for guys to go out there and have an opportunity to win a championship, for me, this is the best time of the year. This will take take over the next couple of months of my life. And I'll be (laughs) looking forward to seeing my Warriors, who are down 0-1 right now, playing in the championship. That'll be all right. Yep. It'll be just fine. All right. My number three is that it was just a fun weekend for me. So on Friday night, went to a country concert over at Enterprise Center, Kane Brown, and it was fantastic live. My fiance does not like country music. Okay. And he's already taken me to a couple like later on this summer. He's like, please take someone else. <laughs> and so I took my friend Danielle. We had a blast. Rocchio and his girlfriend were two or three rows behind us. Kane Brown has this freaking t-shirt like Canon, and it was, I, I mean, sometimes when you see the t-shirt Canons, you're like, oh, it won't go that far. It went all the way towards our section, and the security guard caught it and gave it to my friend and I. And then I turned around to see Rocky and his girlfriend. I'm like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and people probably thought I was nuts. But it, it was fun. And then Saturday, a great wedding, despite all the storms. I didn't even know that there was a storm going on. We could hear, like, some hailing. And then when we got done with the wedding, because obviously it would be rude to look at your phone at the wedding, Mm -hmm. then we saw where everybody was, like, taking selfies of them, you know, sheltering in place. And we are like... I guess this was serious. Yeah, we were endangered and didn't even know it. <laughs> no idea. Guys, I, I love this about the weekend. When the Cardinals opened things up a few years ago after the pandemic, they would announce crowds of 33, 34, 35,000, but you knew they weren't in the house. 
this weekend, Friday night, 40,000 legit. Saturday, 40,000 legit. Yesterday, 40,000 legit. We're back to why players love to come to St. Louis because they know they're going to play before a huge crowd every single night. Can't count on that in Arizona, who the Cardinals will play tonight. Can't count on that in Pittsburgh, who the Cardinals played. Can't count on that in Colorado, where the Cardinals played last week. There are very few places, certainly not in a a market of 2.8 million people, where you can count on 40,000 a night. And I really got a kick out of seeing the huge crowds over the course of the weekend for the Pirates of all teams. Oh, yeah. I I mean, well, and the Pirates, you know, have had a decent start to the season, Mm -hmm. as we've seen. So you can't completely discount them. But I think it says a lot about the fan base here in St. Louis, how... You know, they just continue to rally, continue to support, even, you know, going to the Blues, like towards the end there. I mean, tons of energy, despite knowing that they weren't making the playoffs. You can't beat the support here. And and players notice that. Robert Thomas said that. I Mm -hmm. mean, even Cardinals players notice that. It's literal baseball heaven. Kerry, you'll remember this. You remember when... uh when Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles and the Lakers turned terrible. Mm -hmm. In the last 15 games of a season, I think it was like the last six or seven or eight home games, the Lakers, in a market of, what, 18 million people, Mm -hmm. they had to slash ticket prices 75% to get people into the building to show up. The Blues trade a bunch of guys and people yep. keep showing up. Just because this is a sports town, right? Yeah. This is a sports and that's city a winning town. That's a winning cities. town. Yes. Sorry, LA folks. <laughs> number two. My number two is still NBA themed. It was watching Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers take on the Phoenix Suns. Everyone has been talking about, oh, since Kevin Durant has got the Phoenix, they're eight and no, they haven't lost a game. And Kawhi Leonard, as much as we talk about LeBron, we talk about Steph, we talk about Giannis, Jokic, Embiid. A healthy Kawhi Leonard is probably one of the best basketball players Mm -hmm. in the entire world. He does it on the offensive end, scoring 30-plus points. I think he had 38 last night. And he's and he's going to guard your best player. He's not going to rest on the defensive end. He's going to guard KD. He's going to guard Devin Booker. He's going to make sure that he's playing the best on the offensive end and uh, limiting those guys on the defensive end. The fact that they were able to go into Phoenix last night and get that win in that fashion was pretty amazing without Paul George. um, That may be a team to to keep an eye on because if Paul George comes back healthy, which hopefully he does if they make it to the next round, they're going to be a tough team to compete Pretty scary, yeah. Well, my number two big thing from this weekend is City SC. Not only did you have a great, dominant bounce-back win for them, where, as I mentioned earlier, it felt like they got back to their game, their identity, what works for them, but also you have to give a shout-out to the fans. Mm-hmm. 15,000-plus strong, still sticking around, despite all the weather issues. It was like a two-hour delay, I believe, for right. the game, and I saw the photos. It You couldn't even tell that it was still that late at night. The fact that the fans just stuck through all of that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, the the fans were terrific, and the team really responded. To take the 5-0 lead, and yes, you got an own goal, so uh, you only put four in. But you know what? An own goal. Uh, first of all, I wonder if the guy goes back to Cincinnati and gets beheaded. Is, does that happen in MLS? I don't think that, that, I don't, I don't think that, that, that happened. That happened in soccer one time to a guy. That I think was, they made a 30 for 30 out yeah, of it, right? Uh, Brazil, right? Uh, Colombia. Columbia. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they tend to get angry yeah. in, in Colombia now and then. But when you look at the overall dominance of St. Louis City SC against FC Cincinnati, who was the best team in the league coming in, why can't City SC, and this is uh, my number two as well, uh, 
what I got out of the weekend was why can't City SC win the championship? I, wh- why not us? I, I don't think they. I, I I don't think anyone other than them thought that this was a possibility. We talked about going into the season how everyone picked them last or or second to last mm-hmm. to 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 finish in in all of MLS or in their division. And now here they are, you know, playing extremely. You took a couple a couple of tough losses, but to be able to bounce back in that fashion, um, I, I think that that city believes that their style of play is going to transcend them and push them into a a. a a level that no one expected them to be this season. Kerry, the 99 Rams went into Brooks, Nashville, and lost to the Titans, and then lost to the the, the uh, Lions the next week. Mm-hmm. And they said the best thing to happen to them was to lose those games after starting off 6-0, yeah. because they were down, I think, 21 nothing at halftime, wound up losing 24-21 to Tennessee. And they, they came back, they were going to kick the game-winning field goal, and a penalty wasn't called, terrible officiating. And then... They just have one guy that missed a defensive assignment against Detroit because they were going to win that game, too. And then they come back and they win the next week. That's the way I have to believe that SC is feeling right now is, hey, the the losses were a fluke. Right. But we know we can beat anybody. Sometimes you take a loss and and you learn from it and you and you're able to rebound and and finish in the right way. So maybe they are. They're they're not a surprise to us because I think we've kind of. You know, come accustomed to it, mm-hmm. but I think everyone else around the league is starting to take notice and has taken notice as to who they are and what they are. I just feel like there's like maybe some slight jealousy from other teams <laughs> around the league too, because as we as we've kind of talked about, it's different than other expansion teams, right? They already had the stadium ready to go. You mm-hmm. had an ownership group fully investing, bringing players, their key players, a year in advance. That's unheard of with yeah. the other expansion teams. So a lot of uh, I feel like a lot of the people just like putting them down now like, "Oh, there's just going to be another expansion team." And then they started to win. You see that jealousy start to come in. I was reading some articles around the league where people are just like, "Oh, this is luck." Yeah. You know, this is luck yeah. that they're starting. I'm like, "How how could they not be successful when you gave them all the tools early on?" They hate us cuz they ain't us. There exactly. you go. Exactly. <laughs> Number 1. My number one is uh, the Cardinals winning in walk-off fashion. And unlike some teams that shall go nameless, Tommy Edmond didn't mind having his shirt ripped off by his teammates. <laughs> it was It's fun to watch guys, you know, make big hits. Uh, as soon as Tyler O'Neill scored, he, he jogs right around there to go congratulate congratulate Tommy. It's it's fun to watch those walk-off wins and see a team, you know, starting to come together. You need those wins too because sometimes when you're you're struggling or haven't, you know, performed well, you talked about Tommy Edmond not having those timely hits. You saw you saw what Wilson Contreras did when he hit his his hit a couple of nights ago. He's like, oh, yeah, right, like it's right. just a release of energy because you know you can do it, but until you actually do it, it, it you don't feel like it's going to be done. And so to get that moment to happen for Tommy Edmond and for the Cardinals, I thought was awesome. Yeah, you could feel that relief. Well, my number one, and this isn't official official yet, but it's almost done. You know, the Washington Commanders, they should be throwing a parade. I know they didn't win the Super Bowl, but I feel like a parade <laughs> needs to be had because the devil, I mean, Dan Snyder <laughs> is on his way out the freaking door. The cell port reportedly is going through with a new ownership group, billionaire Josh Harris. Uh, they just have to get everything finalized. $6 billion for the Washington Commanders. But the biggest thing, Dan Snyder needed to go. Mm-hmm. He did not deserve to own an NFL team. And look, am I... I'm going to say every NFL owner is perfect. No, but there was very well documented cases of him making it a highly toxic, sexist work environment. 
It was uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if Dan Snyder had anything to do with this, but I would have to assume that he knew about it. The Redskins cheerleaders, when they were the Redskins, mm-hmm. used to stretch in in the opposing team's uh, tunnel before we came out. Now, I'm not, I mean stretching, like mm-hmm. legs here, legs there. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was intentional to get you. But I, I think that ad, that kind of gives you an idea of the culture of what they were trying to do. Like the the how you treat people really matters. And and it's unfortunate that that even though he's being ousted, he still gets to make a ton yeah, of money on his way out. Bought for eight hundred mil, selling for six bill. Here's the other thing I love about that. Is getting, and I hope it's legitimate, and I hope he's got a a lot of skin in the game. Having Magic Johnson as an NFL yes. owner, a, a minority who yes. can do something with that franchise and make it better. It just, I think, if anything that we've seen, this is not a great group of people. We know that we've seen with Stan Kroenke all the stuff that has come out over the years that has really come to light with these NFL owners. Nobody's holding them accountable. There's no checks and balances. I mean, Roger Goodell is just there. <laughs> essentially and they know that they do a lot of things wrong these ownerships but it's just rich guys that nobody's holding them accountable Mm -hmm. and they're getting away with everything and it's nice to see even though he's getting a lot of money he's not going to be able to keep his precious team that he wanted to hold on to kind of a microcosm of the world we live in isn't it is yeah Hmm. uh guys my number one is this this last trip through the cardinal rotation flaherty five and a third at one earned run montgomery six and a third two earned runs Jake Woodford, five and a third shutout innings. Steven Matz, five and two thirds, two earned runs. Miles Michaelis, five and two thirds, two earned runs. I feel really good about that as long as I don't have to bring Jordan Hicks into the game in relief. I, I, I think that we can get by with that sort of starting pitching. I think we can. I Other than Jordan Hicks, who obviously is struggling, like I said, he, it's something about when he's throwing that fastball, people are, are prepared and, and they're swinging away. Um you know, Drew Verhagen has done well. Stratton has done well. Zach Thompson has done extremely well. Mm-hmm. They are the the bullpen has been pretty good. They are they are showing themselves to 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 be a very good bullpen. And if you can get your starter, I, Randy, I need six innings at least. Yeah, though. I, 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 I agree. I, I, because at some point, if it's five innings every single night, those guys, as well as they're performing by mid May June, they're going to be running out of gas, right. and you still got a lot of season left. So give me six and two thirds. Give me give me seven innings like Montgomery has, has given us a couple of times. Then I'll feel a lot better about this uh, this bullpen and this staff. I also think that we need to start a Drew Verhagen fan club. What's what was his old name? Uh, Chris, Chris Vonderhoff. Vonderhoff. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so let's, let's just do the uh, the nutty neuters. Let's start okay. with that. You know, you're not ready to... to... Oh, we, I just I think we can overextend ourselves by having multiple fan clubs okay. at one time. All right. So let's it, get, it is let's, a lot of work let's to get keep new, up with that. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get Newt Nation started. And then we'll uh, we'll move on to there. But Drew Verhagen <laughs> has been terrific. And by the way, it's it. I'm sure that Jordan Hicks is trying, and he's, he, he's he in is. a bad spot. He's yes. just it, it's all mental when you when you have that sort of ability. And by the way, he never really got an opportunity to get seasoned at the minor league level. But when you run into what he's running into now, there's a lot of mental that goes into. I, it. I think it's mental, but I, I I'm telling you, there is something to it when he's throwing this fastball. People are just yeah. dialed in. And there is really no way for you to be dialed in on a 103 miles per hour fastball unless you know it's coming. So it's something there that that he's showing, or it's something different. It, it, I would I would want them to take a a good look at that and see what that is. That is three things we loved about the weekend on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues had their end of season press conference. Some of the things that Doug Armstrong had to say were interesting. That's next on 101 ESPN. That's my-
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging beds. Baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There were a lot of things that went wrong for the 2022-2023 St. Louis Blues. We could see a lot of them on the ice. We heard about a lot of them. But one of the things that we didn't hear a lot about is what happened in preparation for games. And Doug Armstrong met with the media on Saturday for the season post-mortem that he does every year with the media and had an interesting look at one of the big reasons the Blues didn't succeed. Well, it's going to start in training camp. Uh, I think we have to have a a highly competitive camp. I think there has to be a standard uh, that we set in camp. I th- also think it's our practice habits. There was too many practices where where we would not shoot enough. We would miss the net in our, in our shot attempts. We would overpass it. The next drill would go on and the same thing would happen. And then the next night we go 14 or 15 minutes with no shots on net and we're going, geez, how, how did that happen? Or our defensive zone coverage you know, we would practice it, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't. There'd be no competitive nature to our practice in front of the net. We would give up scoring opportunities uh, in practice, and it was just acceptance. And and that bled into our season. I, I believe. I think our, our our training camp and our practice habits are going to be indicative of how we play each and every night. And Mike Van Ryan and Craig McTavish will not be back on the coaching staff next year. Brings to mind an old Don Shula story. Don Shula is still with the all-time record for wins by an NFL coach. And the Dolphins were in training camp one time, and they were running a drill. And Shula, they, they kept messing up, and, and Shula said, nope, run it again. Nope, run it again. They got to like the fourth time, and one of his assistants says, Coach, can't we just move on? It's just a minor detail. And Shula glared at him and said, there's no such thing as a minor detail. Yeah. And until they got it right, they kept doing it. Uh, that that is generally how you become successful. I, I think you know, in the words of Allen Iverson, practice. We're talking about practice, mm-hmm. right? Because if you don't practice it and you don't perform it well in practice, in practice, you're not going to perform it well come game time. And and as a professional athlete, you know that you know the things that are required to be good. If there are certain aspects of your game that aren't 
aren't going well, those are the things you need to work on. The things you do that you do well, you, you, you do those, but you work on the things that you don't do well. And as a team, if they aren't taking the right shots, if they're overpassing in practice, well, what do you think is going to happen, happen when they get on the ice for game time? Yeah, same thing's going to happen. Same right? thing. You, you play the way you yes. practice. And, Brooke, you and I watched in practice for five years, Ryan O'Reilly really enjoying practice. And Doug Armstrong said that was one of the problems this year is that players didn't really enjoy practice. Work has to be thought of as enjoyable, not a punishment. And I felt this was the first year that our group felt work was punishment. And there's 16 teams playing that don't feel like that, but ultimately there's going to be one team that never thought like that once all year long. I, I keep going back to the admiration I have for what Jim Montgomery, Don Sweeney, Cam Neely have built in Boston for a year. Now, is it going to be like that next year? I don't know. But all I know is this year is they, they've been, the, they've been the, the standard that we've all looked at offensively, defensively, competitively that give you hope in hockey that those players still exist. I think it's interesting because it kind of confirmed all the things that we, I think, as fans and media all picked up on is that this team was really disconnected. My biggest quote from this past weekend was Braden Shen, where he said, from the very beginning, we didn't come together as a team. And I think that plays off of Armstrong's comments. It plays off of Justin Falk's comments from this past Saturday, where they were kind of, it was almost felt like a therapy session, mm-hmm. right? It was a end of season wrap up, but it felt very different than the ones that I have seen, at least during my time here, where it was almost like a final venting session where it's like, yeah, we were not connected as a group and it didn't it wasn't a middle of the season thing it wasn't when you traded away Ryan O'Reilly like this started from the very beginning and i look to some of the moves in the off season leading into that and that's going to be July 13th when David Perron signed with the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. I think that that is when things shifted going to the season where there was tensions really high for me i think you know we I, we talked about this early in the season when you had two players, two veteran players who were going to be unrestricted free agents, and you had two young players who had just signed uh, very large deals that, that were going to have them here for the for the future. That Getting those four guys to be able to be on the same page was going to be key, a key component to having this team have success. I never thought that those four people were on the same page. Maybe you got two at a time. Maybe you got two or, or, or three at one time. But I don't feel like all four, I don't feel like O'Reilly and Tarasenko ever really uh, got on the same page with Kyrou and, and Thomas. And so when you have that issue in training camp, it's a, it's a, it's almost like you know whose team is this? This is I'm the big dog now. I got the contract. I'm gonna be here. You all aren't. We don't necessarily need to play your style. That's old school. You guys are, are, are you know maybe you're washed. Maybe you're. It's time for for a new era. And so now you have a a team that is really competing or or fighting within itself, trying to figure out which way we're going to go. And you could see that that's how that played out the entire season. We'll have more Army comments throughout the course of the morning here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. But coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for... 
Take it or leave it. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, along with Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN, and it's time for Take It or Leave It. Mike Tyson, who's in his late 50s now, says that he would be open to fighting either Roy Jones Jr. or Evander Holyfield <laughs> if the price is right. Take It or Leave It, that is a fight that would sell because it includes Mike Tyson. Uh, well, I'll, I'll take it, but I'll leave it because Roy Jones already said he's not fighting Mike Tyson again. He, they had a little, you know, they had a, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say it was a, I don't know, charity. It was a, it was a fight, but it was not a, uh, you know, they weren't really throwing their hands as, as they used to. And, and Roy would tell you that uh, he said, you know, that, that's still Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. You still have to be cautious and careful. So I don't think Roy has any uh, any intentions on jumping back in the ring <laughs> with Mike. I, I would love, I mean, they're they're older gentlemen now. Yeah, Mike uh, is fifty six. In, in their heyday, you know, Evander and 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 Mike were uh, was a, was a sight to see. But I don't know if I need to see those two older gentlemen punching punching each other in the face. I agree with you. Yeah. I'm, oh, it's my turn. Yes, yes sorry. It is. No, sorry, I'm 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 lost. <laughs> so, Randy, both the Lakers and the Clippers got road wins this weekend. Take it or leave it. The NBA would love to see. L.A. versus L.A. in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, 100%, 100% take it. No <laughs> doubt about it. If they can just get the Lakers, I don't think it matters who they play. If, if the NBA can just get the Lakers out, at a benefit getting the two L.A. teams. But if the Lakers are in, the NBA is going to be enthralled. Well, the fact that Ja Morant went down, is, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see how long that is. That, that's, a, that's a tough loss for them. And the Clippers, hey, if you can go into Phoenix and win that game in that fashion, I think they can do pretty much anything. Yeah. Kawhi, the fact that Kawhi plays defense and you can put him up against, you could defend Chris Paul, you could defend, who's kind of a non-factor now. It's kind of sad. He's older. He, yeah. he, his, his, you can you can see it on him. Yeah. He, he's just, he doesn't have the ability to play 35, 38 minutes a night and, and still be able to give you anything other than, you know, every now and then he'll give you a couple of good passes, but he's just, his body is is yeah. is, is getting old. Kind of used up. Yeah. But then you can put Kawhi on Booker, you can put him on Durant and have him be effective. It's pretty amazing. And then if they get Paul George back, wow. Yes. All right, take it or leave it. Nolan Gorman or Storman Gorman is your unsung hero of this weekend. I got to take that. Storman Gorman. Storman yeah. Gorman. Okay. I'm a fan. Yeah. I like it. I still think he's going to wind up being sensational. I, he's I, I, really good. I think he's going to be a 35 home run guy. So we had three hits on Friday, and then an RBI sack fly in Saturday's loss, and then he smashed two doubles yesterday. He is a, a guy that made the necessary adjustments, I guess. Yes. So we got to, yeah, I think he's, he's not only the, the unsung hero of the weekend, but he's probably the. For fans, the biggest surprise of the season so far, right? Oh, I would say 100%. I wasn't expecting this. No. All probably, right. Probably right behind Goldschmidt and Cardinals MVP right now. Yeah. 
Uh, Matthew, um, what do we got on the old text line? Take it or leave it. Tyson versus Jake Paul is a match you'd want to see. Now, I would pay to see that. Yeah, yeah, I would too. Carry. Because I want to see Jake Paul. Yeah, I mean, some people. I don't like no. supporting the Paul brothers. No, not- I, I mean, it would be a, a, a pounding. Like, he, it would be, you know, when you see people get beat up that need to get beat up. Hasn't he beaten, like, guys in their 20s who are, like, in like in legitimate shape as boxers? Jake Paul? Yeah. He hasn't really fought boxers. Okay. Like that, he, he, he he's fighting he's fought MMA guys. Like you you fight a like, you fight a guy that punches people in the face for like they really box. There is a difference of of you know getting away with things that you probably wouldn't get away with. Tape of Mike Tyson like when he like is like gearing up to like and like working out hard is still it. terrifying. It's still terrifying. I just say he 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 also took out like two former Mizzou guys too. Yeah, yeah. right. We'll talk about that. I don't like that. Uh, take <laughs> it or leave it. Hicks will be off the team before O'Neal. I'm going to leave that. Leave it. Whoa. Yeah. Well, where, where are they gonna, what are they going to do with Jordan Hicks? You going to DFA him and let somebody claim him on waivers? What are you doing with Taylor O'Neal? Yeah, Taylor O'Neal's going to trade him. See, the 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 Cardinals are not part of the short attention span theater. They still understand that the guy hit 34 home runs a couple of years ago. They understand what his abilities and values are. They aren't just going to toss him out and let let him hit 34 home runs for somebody else for nothing. They don't do that. The Cardinals don't send outfielders elsewhere to become stars for other teams. <laughs> You're saying are, they, are both Hicks and O'Neill on this roster after the, when the trade deadline is passing, or as it passes? Yeah. I like that one. Why do you, you, you want to tear apart a team that's going to be in first place? I don't think so. so I think the textures yeah, because they, they have such a, in, in Ollie's words, there's a log jam in outfield. Somebody's going to be gone. Somebody's going to be hurt. Well, that that, that tends to happen in baseball now and then. Well, I guess so. Considering the guys we're talking about, what? Uh, take it or leave it. The Blues bring back Ryan O'Reilly. I'm going to take it. I'm going to leave it. I. You see, I personally would like to take it because I think Ryan O'Reilly is really needed as a leader for this group. But after it seems like Doug Armstrong is really sticking to his comments about he's looking at these young players and he's focusing on these young players. And I just don't even know if they would even have the space to get Ryan O'Reilly at this point. They have to. The, the, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas have to become the leaders of this team. When you're, I mean, they have to become. They don't have to be captains or, or wear the seat, but they have to be a leader in a leadership role where, where people can come to them and they can actually speak and say what needs to happen and people actually listen. Fair enough. Take it or leave it. All of the Blues' top four D-men will return. It's Pareko, Letty, Krug, and Falk. Right. I'm going to take it because I think it'll be too difficult yeah, to get rid of. Yeah, I'll take it as yeah. well. Yeah, no, no one was emphatic or happy about taking that. Uh, <clears throat> no, <or> <laughs> no. <laughs> did you did you watch any of the games this year? Uh, I mean, yeah. I won't put it just yeah. on them. I yeah. think I think as a team, defensively needs to be. They got to hang their head on some defense at some point. Take it or leave it. If Jordan Walker improves in one year as Nor- Nolan Gorman has, the Cardinals off the Cardinals offense will be scary. Yeah, I think the Cardinal offense when it's going is already pretty scary. Yes. Yeah. And Jordan Walker's been has been good this season. Yeah, in the middle middle of his uh, eleven, it was I think the the hitting streak was at eleven at the time. We got multiple texts that were just like he's not hitting the ball hard enough right now. Like, gee, guys, just want everything from him immediately, don't you? Mm -hmm. I just feel like, and his swing looks so effortless. So, and that's something that he is going to continue to do. He has that power. He has that strength. 
And but I mean, his swing, just watching him, you know, one day I was like, God, good God, it just looks so effortless for him to really hit the ball. Like, oh, no, a rookie struggles with off-speed pitching. What a shocking development. Yeah, really. Who could have seen this coming? Let's freak out about it. <laughs> Take it or leave it. It's time to give Shen the C on his jersey. Sweater. Jersey sweater. Is he, Is I mean, who else is it, Who else is, is in line to be? Thomas. But he, I, I think the Army's probably, he, Army doesn't, when he has those end of, of season press conferences, he doesn't lie. I, I would guess that they'll probably go into next season with, Rotating A's. They'll probably have six guys that wear A's and probably won't have a C. That's a problem. I think that's yeah, problematic. No, everybody knows who the leaders are. They don't, it doesn't matter. You don't need to have a letter on a guy. I think it gives you... I, I think when you are named captain, it gives you a little bit more... You know, it, it people understand it. And it not just not people outside of the room. It's it's something special to be named captain of a team. That I, It just really is. It, it's something... T- when you are... when When your teammates... Say, I want that guy to be the leader of our team, and they tell you, hey, you're our captain. That carries a lot of weight amongst the the group. It does. But what about the guy like Vladimir Tarasenko who gets ticked off when he's not named captain and Ryan O'Reilly is? That's his fault. That's not that, that but it that's, affects your team. That, no, that that's it's a that's a him, the blues. That's a him problem though. That that means your leadership isn't to the level that your peers didn't view you or value uh, value as that. So who are you mad at? You mad at them or you mad at yourself? That, that and, and then that's a conversation that the person that is named captain goes and tells him, cut it out. You know, nobody mm-hmm. cares about your feelings. You weren't named captain because these guys in the room didn't feel that you were. But here's one thing about hockey, and this happened with the Blues. Hockey, the, the C many times is just a marketing vehicle. The Blues named Brett Hall their captain when they fired Brian Sutter as coach. They named Bob Plager and basically said, yeah, we're turning this team over to Brett Hall. Brett Hall wasn't a leader. He wanted to be a leader, but he wasn't a leader, and there were other leaders in that room. And it lasted for, what, 15 games. And, and finally... Plagers had to say, look, I can't do this. I'm not going to let him run this team and ruin my coaching career. So mm-hmm. he resigned. You, If you're going to have a C, it's got to be some a, a person that is a legitimate leader. You can't just have it be a marketing ploy. I agree. I think, I think that it's smart in the way that you haven't named a captain yet because – Look at what happened. We talked about with the Blues earlier. You went into the season with those young guys getting those giant contracts. It obviously stirred up a lot of different kind of controversy controversy and tension amongst the guys with the veterans and the young guys. So if you just automatically gave Robert Thomas the C going into this coming season, you're kind of continuing that mm-hmm, pattern. Yeah. And I think with Robert Thomas, you know, he it sounded like he's ready to really take his next step as a leader. And I could see if there's like a big moment where it's like Robert Thomas really showing on the ice that he can be the captain. I could see them just kind of giving it to him at some point. But he really will have to prove it on the ice. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up. Are the Cardinals doing too many little things to prevent them from scoring enough runs? That's next on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. ball and Donovan can't field it everyone is going to reach 
And the Pirates add to their lead. They're up 3-1. to one. There are some occasional fundamental mishaps that plague the St. Louis Cardinals. And there are base running errors. They've still lost more players at home plate this year than any other team in Major League Baseball. And those seem to be things that, in my opinion, you take care of during the course of spring training. Those fundamental details, pitching, fielding practice, and base running, and uh, making sure that you're making the right play defensively, you're going to make physical errors. It's mental errors that cost you. So you have to know before the play occurs what your plan is. What your plan is is to to make the right play. And there are little things that have certainly plagued the Cardinals in the 7-9 start. Yeah, I mean... They started off really well, not not having any errors. I think in the first, I want to say, couple of first couple of series, I think first six or seven games, and then it, it it's kind of, I don't say the wheels are falling off, but you're you're struggling a little bit in the field. Um, I think the first error was by Gorman when he was at second base that day, and then you've had uh, games where you had multiple errors in in it, and so that along with the the lack of timely hitting has cost them some games. The pitching is starting to come into form. Hopefully the hitting will start to come into form in, in those timely situations. And then uh, because of how this staff pitches, you want and need guys behind you to be able to make those plays and not have those errors. And by the way, the Cardinals uh, only have three team, two teams that have made fewer errors. The Mets have made two errors. The Royals have made three. And then the Yankees, Twins, Cardinals, and Padres, along with the Diamondbacks, have each made five. So... It's not like the Cardinal defense has been terrible. It's just that it's popped up over the course of the last week because they went so long without making one. Mm -hmm. Well, do you think that that has anything? I'm not saying anything against the World Baseball Classic. I loved it. Do you think that any of that has to do with why we kind of seen the Cardinals trying to get into, as Wilson Contreras said, it's like they are kind of behind when it comes to figuring out the rhythm of this group? I I would say so, but the, the problem... Well, I guess it's been Gorman and Donovan. It's not 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 like Arenado, Edmund, Contreras, and Goldie are are making errors on the infield. So yeah, I, I can definitely see that being part of it. Is the young players, and granted they were at, still at spring training, but it's young players that don't have as much experience that that happens to. Yeah, I mean, well, and you had some guys obviously leaving, and then you come back and you have this this competition continuing amongst everybody. It just seems like we're still waiting for that perfect game where everything's clicking right, you know, where mm-hmm. the starting pitching and then the bullpen and the offense all just doing the things that we know that they're capable of doing because you have plenty of stars in this lineup. And when you're leaving that many men on base – and that seems to be a consistent issue, then you're going to have a lot of those questions arise of what exactly is going on here. You have enough guys who are able to capitalize in those big moments, those clutch moments. And one of the things that Ollie and the analytics people in the front office need to figure out is at what point do they pull the plug on Dylan Carlson uh, batting left-handed? He's hitting 182 with a 445 OPS. That's dismal. He has a double, no triples, no homers as a left-handed hitter. As a right-handed hitter, he's hitting 333 with a 762 OPS. Now, there aren't enough, number one, very small sample size, yeah. only seven plate appearances against lefties. But maybe he's a guy that you only, kind of like the original plan was for Albert last year, where you only play him against right-handers or maybe uh, against left-handers, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just 
Carrie, you've mentioned this in the past. Maybe you tell them, hey, just go up there hitting right-handed. I mean, if you aren't having the success, if you're a switch hitter and you're not having the success from one side of the plate, you you might need to figure out, you know, if this is still for you. I, I talk about Geronimo Pena where he was years ago. They were talking about him no longer being a switch hitter, and then he goes out and hits a home run. So it, it just depends on timing and, and, and doing, you know, what you feel is best if he's not having the success that's needed because – that that might be one of the reasons why he's not playing as much. He he he's I think one of our best outfielders, but mm-hmm. but not able to hit versus righties. Who you're going to see the majority of the time, you're not going to have that success. You got to figure out how either to put the ball in play when you're batting left-handed, or say okay, enough is enough. I'm just going to bat right-handed versus everyone. One of the things I do is I break the season up into. 10, 16 game segments. Here we are. And granted, it is only a tenth, but we only have 10 of these segments. So I I can draw conclusions after a couple of these segments because of his history. I think I can draw conclusions about Dylan Carlson and his ability to hit left-handed. It's just not great. And they, they have enough other outfielders with Lars Newtbar back and Newtbar Nation taking notice that he the needs to get, yeah, he, he needs to get that opportunity. Well, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I do like the nutty neuters of Newt Nation. Um, <laughs> they reside out of Newt Nation. It, it all makes sense now, right? It's its own little universe. Um, so, I with Dylan Carlson, it, you wonder where some of his plate discipline is at times too, and it's confusing because also defensively, he's a really good center fielder. Mm-hmm. So you would like to see him get more opportunities in that way this is where that whole log jam is is like kind of confusing and how you deal with that because there's not many guys other than Jordan Walker who I believe are kind of running away with a set outfield position or that job I guess I should say well I think that's the thing I think the more you allow those guys to play the the cream generally usually separates itself from the rest so those that are are performing well on a consistent basis are the ones that are going to get to play even though you know Dylan Carlson might be the best outfielder, he's not the best hitter. Even though Tyler O'Neill might not be the best outfielder, he's a better hitter. And then you have Lars, who just came back from injury. You got Jordan Walker, who we think is going to be a star in right field or left field, wherever he's playing. You got to figure out who's doing what and how well they are. Alec Burleson has, has, has done a fantastic job hitting, but he's not a great outfielder. Mm-hmm. So you got you got guys that are good in one role but not great in another, and so you have to kind of mix and match and see who's going to be the best player for them. And Kerry, your highest OPS guy this year is Nolan Gorman, who's best served probably and serves the team best as a DH. There you go. So now you can't put one of those good hitting outfielders, not good outfielding outfielders, in the DH spot because that's, that seems to be Nolan Gorman's spot. Right. So if you want the, the lineup to be scary, you need Dylan Carlson to turn into a – you need one of two things to happen. You either need Dylan Carlson to be a stud or you need to figure out who you want to play between Newt Barr and O'Neill in left field. Do you see a – a situation where maybe because Jordan Walker is the best athlete out of all of them that you you put him in center field at some point that was broached last year when the Cardinals traded Bader they wanted to give Jordan the opportunity now I, my guess would be the way the Cardinals operate and I haven't talked to anybody about this but they don't like to change a guy's defensive position when he's still finding his way offensively gotcha. because you, you have to think about yeah. it and I don't think they want him to to have to think too much so 
maybe next year you mm-hmm. look at Jordan Walker as an out, as a center fielder, but not this year, I don't think. Just, I mean, at some point maybe it would make sense because he's he's got the speed, he's got the range, um, and with Tyler O'Neill, it kind of limits. You know that range, is, and then Dylan Carlson has the range, but is it going to hit? Well, so. and, and Tyler just as great of an athlete as he is, he just doesn't look natural out there. He's just so wound, so tight. Yeah, he the yoga is not didn't yoga enough. It didn't yo. It didn't namaste enough. Namaste and lengthen those dugout. strong muscles in, in the way it needed to. That's today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, a five-one victory for St. Louis City SC on Saturday night against FC Cincinnati, and we're going to talk to St. Louis City SC's Nico Giacchini next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. In a word, chaos. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus. He clips it over his Breaking down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. Gio, Gio works hard in training. Gio enjoys his training. He enjoys winning games. He enjoys scoring goals. Joachini might be in here, and it's Joachini to make it four. Beautifully set up by Ross Mazzam, and Nico Joachini puts this one out of He's a bit of an artist, and he, and he enjoys that, you know, type of the game. And, and uh, yeah, he's got the qualities to, to change a game. He's got the qualities to accelerate a game. And he's got qualities to break a game. That is St. Louis City SC head coach Bradley Carnell. That is Brooke Grimsley. That's Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. And we go to the celebrity line right now. And the artist, Nico Joachini, joins us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you all? Everything's great. Uh, first question, what did you do during the delay the other night? Uh, well, just talked. We mostly had the TV on with the other games that were in, in progress. So we were just mostly watching those games and, you know, trying to not lose our focus and not stay too static. So, you know, if every once in a while we'd have to, we'd have to get up and start walking around or do something uh, physical to not let our legs fall asleep. Um, but yeah, it was it was a little long. Yeah, well, it worked out well for you guys. I want you to take us back to the 53rd minute, the setup for your goal. It was really well done by Nelson and Alam. Yes. Um, you know, I, we saw Nelson open up um, as soon as he received the ball, I believe, from Jared Stroud. Um, and uh, we both made a similar run uh, behind the defense, and the ball happened to come to Alm because he had made a shorter run. And this one time, um, outside of the boot flick was was spot on, impeccable, perfect. Um, you know, the timing was perfect. The the pace on the the flick was perfect. Um, you know, the, the, you know, sometimes the assist is even more valuable than the goal or more beautiful than the goal. And I think that, that was the, that was the case. Um, so, you know, perfect action. And my job was just to, just to finish it. And were you happy to see Alm get some minutes in that game too? Yes. Um, yes. Especially because he had a, he had a little problem um, with his, with his knee, I believe um, the last couple of weeks. And 
you know, he's been back this week and on fire, even in training, he's been doing great. So, um, especially to see on the score sheet has been, has been great. Nico, you all took a couple of tough losses. Uh, how important was it for you to bounce back in the fashion that you all did this past weekend? Oh, it was necessary. Um, completely necessary. You know, losing twice, especially the first home game was, was a tough, a tough hit. Going to Seattle, we expected a very difficult game. We had started well, but, um, you know, it's, we are in Seattle against one of the best teams in the league. So, uh, that, that shutout was, was also hard, even harder to swallow. Um, and we had to come back home and for ourselves, for the fans, uh, for the team, for the, the ownership group, for our families, we needed to win this game, especially against, uh, a hard going team like, like Cincinnati. So, um, you know, we, we prepared well, we prepared well mentally, physically, and, and technically, and we managed to, to have a have a great game and, and show what we're all about again. And it, it was something that was very necessary. So, Nico, Nico, Joe uh, Akini with us on 101 ESPN. With that being the case, with the performance you had against one of the best teams in the league in Cincinnati, what did Saturday night teach you about your team? To keep focused and, and be relentless uh, about our principles. Um, the last couple games uh, prior to uh, Cincinnati, we had I felt like we had lost a little bit of our identity. Um, and, you know, we, we came back to the home game here against Cincinnati and made sure that we followed what we are all about. And that high press, that relentless press, that not letting the team, uh, our opponents breathe um, in any case. Uh, it was something that we we made sure we executed, and it, and you know it showed that that's our winning playing style. And that's what we need to continue to do, and that's what we will continue to do. And what about the fan support as well? You mentioned that you guys, of course, you know had to wait for the game as well, but to come out and see fifteen thousand plus strong there to support you, despite all the weather delays and it being a late game, what did that mean to you guys? Oh, that was. Um, you know, I always use the phrase, I always use the phrase adrenaline booster. Um, that was, uh, that was just, that was super. That was something that I hadn't seen. You know, I'd played in Orlando where we'd have weather delays almost on a weekly basis. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, it would be half the stadium would be empty. Uh, but coming back to 15,000 people still there after such a, a delay is just, was just fantastic and it's something that you know we we were that that's a huge respect um that the supporters gain with us those are those are reasons why we fight till the end um is because supporters are still there supporters are there to to give us as much um adrenaline boosting yells and screams that we need to, to win games I think most people don't know how important that is from the fans because I've had uh, had to sit down and had a rain delay, a weather delay. And when you are sitting in that locker room, just kind of waiting, don't know when you're going to be able to go out. You had all this adrenaline rush pregame and ready to roll. And then it kind of just dissipates as you sit there to have those fans still there being a part of it. It really gives you that energy back uh, to get out there and go do your job. Amen. Exactly. <laughs> Something that, um, that, that is uh, underestimated, but it is so true. Um, you know, the, the fans really give you that that boost that you you can't get from uh, from uh, body armor or coconut water. You know, <laughs> it's something that is, is is such a mental thing, and it's such a sometimes a subconscious thing. And um, supporters 
just keep coming to the game because it does make a huge difference. Nico, for people that aren't aware of it, you were born in Kansas City, spent uh, your really young youth there, then spent part of your childhood in Italy. With that being the case, and I know you remember all the Italian food, have you had a meal on the hill yet? I have not been there yet. Okay. so that's, it's, it's, Have people told you about the great Italian food there? Yes, they have. I've heard of it uh, several times, so... I hope the people who told me are not going to be listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you got to um, get over there. So what was your, uh, and you were 8 to 12, right? That that was your time range in, in Italy? Yes. What was the coolest thing about being there as a kid? Um, you know, the coolest thing is I think at that age was just playing soccer and playing soccer with with people that have such a passion for it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's 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 a culture there. It's a religion. So, uh, when you're when you when you when your mom can tell people that oh my son plays soccer and you can say oh yeah I play soccer for this team and that team, it's such a it's such a proud moment and such a proud thing that I think even as an eight, ten, twelve year old, when you can say oh I play soccer um, for this team in Italy, um, and say it in Italian, not being mm-hmm. uh, well having grown up prior in the U.S. Um, it's just something that I loved, um, and you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a great feeling. Well, I wanted to ask you. We talked about your goal, but I also enjoyed the celebration that you did at the end. There is that something that you know going in there. Do you practice, or how did that celebration you did there come about? <laughs> it's just um, it's like it, I, you know, I have a, a friend. Uh, his name is Jordan Peefock, and um, he. Uh, his celebration is this two finger pointing to each other connection celebration, and I, I and I told him, you know, I'm going to start using your celebration with with Klaus uh, because <laughs> we have that connection, and so every time Klaus and I score, we do that connection celebration. Um, and you know, it's not something I practice; it's just instinct. You know, oftentimes celebrations are instinct, um, but it's something that is um, in my mind. Uh, once I score, I do. I have instilled it in my brain. So um, <laughs> when I score, I know to do the connection celebration. It's awesome. Nico, we appreciate your time. Have a great week of training. Congratulations on the victory over Cincinnati and go get them against Colorado next week. Thank you so much, guys. Yes, we'll do. Prepare, preparation starts today. All right. Enjoy. Take care. All right. Yeah. That's uh, Nico Joachini from City SC. They rebound. Now they have six wins on the season, six and two. And they take on Colorado next week. But that was a very impressive victory. Under all the circumstances, to win that, to dominate after the delay was pretty pretty impressive. I don't think people understand how hard. I mean, as a fan, obviously, you're sitting there. You don't know. Some people go home. Some people stay. You don't know what's going to happen. But as an athlete, when you're sitting there and you have no clue, all right, 30 minutes, we're going out. And then another lightning strike hits, and now you got to wait another 30. It is exhausting just, you know, having such a, a high level of energy, ready to play a game, and then have to come down and then get it back up again. It's it's a it's a tough time to, to do. And fortunately for them, they came out and took care of business really Really quickly. I really like what he said there too about his goal celebration because I'm always curious because I feel like it's different even with some NFL players. 
envisioning that actually helps a lot because then you kind of see, okay, I'm going to do this kind of celebration. It helps you just kind of get to that point mentally of like, I am going to score today. Yeah. And I like his little celebration that he did too. That was really fun. I like the connection that him and Klaus have. <laughs> what do you guys prefer between the the greatest show on turf where it was completely planned out, where before the season started, Tori, a rookie, decides, you know what, I want to do an homage to Muhammad Ali. So that's why they did the Bob and Weed. I liked it. Or do you like the instinctive one like he does, like Nico does? I like it when it's scripted. I like when guys, you know, work on their actual touchdown celebrations. You have guys that do the the bowling alley and everyone falls. <laughs> oh, that's like, very fun, I, those yeah. are those are for me, that's when it's you get a lot of guys in on it. And I've seen guys do duck duck goose in the line. Like that those are fun celebrations. I, I enjoy when they are scripted and, and ready to roll. I do too. I, I Especially the NFL ones. It's like those stick out to you. And mm-hmm. it reminds me of that Key and Peele episode too when they, remember during that time in the NFL where they were just really, <laughs> they hated NFL celebrations and Key and Peele yes. did that episode making fun of it. Celebrations are great. And I like the ones that City SC has had so far too. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the first fight of the week here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Rich, joining us for a second day. Got a win on Friday. Rich, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Kerry, Brooke, Rock. Great to be back. Are you ready to take on Megamind and uh, get a chance for a Hall of Fame opportunity here? I, well, I'm trying not to look ahead. Okay. Look, I I just I just don't want to be like TCU football that that wins the first game and then gets completely demolished in the second game. I can so, respect that. I yeah. can respect that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rich. Here we go. Okay. There has only been one player ever to average 30 or more points a game for the Celtics. Who did it? Was it Jason Tatum, Isaiah Thomas, or Larry Bird? Uh, I'm going to say Larry Bird. Which Cardinal currently holds the active Major League Baseball streak for most consecutive steals without getting caught? Is it Tommy Edmond, Brendan Donovan, or or Paul Goldschmidt? Ooh. Um, Let's do Brendan Donovan. On this day in 2021, which NHL player overtook Gordie Howe for the all-time games played in the NHL? Patrick Marlowe, Zendano Charo, or Joe Thornton? Uh, Joe Thornton. Which Cardinals pitcher dominated the Mets in Game 3 of the 2006 NLCS to the tune of a leadoff homer in the second and eight innings of scoreless pitching? Is it Chris Carpenter, Jeff Weaver, or Jeff Supon? Oh, okay, okay. Um, man, Soup was, Soup was the MVP, so I knew he was really good. I think, I think it's Jeff Weaver, actually. I think Weaver. All right, we'll double-check the scores and bring in Randy Carricker. 
All right. Rich, how you feel? Are, well, you, are you feeling like TCU or are you feeling like uh, Georgia Bulldogs? Uh, I am not feeling like Georgia. Okay. The little, I, I think I'm in between. I'm a little better than TCU, though. <laughs> All right, a little bit better than TCU. That, that's a that's a good place to be, as long as it's not how poorly yeah. they play. Randy, say yeah. hello to Rich. Rich, good morning. How you doing? Hey, Randy. Good to hear you again. Good to have you back with us. How was your weekend? Oh, fabulous. Good. Ex- excellent weekend. Well, I like to hear it. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. There's only been one player ever to average 30 or more points per game for the Celtics. Who did it? Per game? For a season. For a season. Yes, sir. Jason Tatum. Which Cardinal currently holds the active Major League Baseball streak for most consecutive steals without getting caught? I'm guessing that since uh, Paul Goldschmidt has not been caught since 2019. He's got some 20-something in a row, I think. I'm going to go with Goldie. On this day in 2021, which NHL player overtook Gordie Howe for the all-time games played in the NHL? Oh, that... uh... Okay, 2021, huh? Two years ago. Um... I think I know, but I'm going to do the lifeline. Patrick Marlowe, Zendano Chara, or Joe Thornton? I think it's Patrick Marlowe. Which Cardinals pitcher dominated the Mets in Game 3 of the 2006 NLCS to the tune of a leadoff homer in the second and eight innings of scoreless pitching? Game 3 against the Mets, NLCS. Well, Game 4, Game 5, Game 6... Uh, that would lead you to believe that it would have been NLCS MVP Jeff Supon. I'm going to go with Soup. All right, we have a winner of this fight. It was a close one. Did Randy start off the week with a win? Or does Rich roll on to a Hall of Fame opportunity? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. Yeah, Golf Discount was getting mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I put up some Instagram videos on my swing. They were mad at me, too. Rich, I'm sorry. Randy Carricker got you on this one. You heard Mr. Buck, and that means he hit the jack. He got four correct, and I was, yeah, I'm sorry. It wasn't that close. I was was, was trying to be nice. You were trying to be nice. Unfortunately, Rich, he got skunked by Randy. He beat you 4-0 today. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that, that's a, okay, man. Hey, it looks like looks like I go down just like the horn frog. Rich, I yes. have to imagine that it can't feel good when you're sitting there listening to the fight and Randy's answers are all completely <laughs> oh, different from yours. That's how I knew I was okay on Friday. But I was like, okay, he answered that. I got it right. Okay. And whenever he's going opposite of everything, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Let's go through those answers. There's only been one player to ever average 30 or more points per game for the Celtics in a regular season. Is Jason Tatum and he just did it this year, 30.1, the first Celtic ever. When I put in Isaiah Thomas as one of the options, by the way, Carrie uh, almost came about, across the table. I forgot about little Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Forgot about little Isaiah I, Thomas. I, I, I automatically oh. went to bad boys, <laughs> no. Isaiah yeah. Thomas. I'm like, what, the, what are we doing? 
doing here, Rock? <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt currently holds the active MLB streak for most consecutive steals without getting caught. Randy said it since 2019, he has 25 consecutive steals without getting caught. And on this day in 2021, which NHL player overtook Gordie Howe for the all-time games played in the NHL? And that was, in fact, Patrick Marlowe, who did that back in 2021. And which Cardinals pitcher dominated the Mets in Game 3? He hit a home run, eight innings of scoreless pitching. It was, in fact, Jeff Supon. A 4-0 win for Randy. Thank you, Rich, so much for joining the fight on these last two days. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you, guys. You too. Thank you very much. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. As we roll on, we're going to talk some Cardinal baseball. Our bird watch is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy on 101 ESPN on the opening drive. Great to have you with us. And guys, what I'm watching with Birdwatch is a note that Katie Wu has in her piece from yesterday's game in The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com. If you haven't subscribed yet, by the way, you should because Katie with baseball and Jeremy Rutherford with uh, hockey and so many other writers nationally do such a great job with the athletic. But Katie points out that in their last 28 in the third innings, last turn through the rotation, Cardinal starters have posted a 2.22 earned run average. And yes, we would like to get more innings. But Flaherty, who goes tonight, uh, five and a third in Colorado, he allowed one earned run. And then the four, yes, it is the Pirates. Yes, the Pirates are missing O'Neill Cruz. But Jordan Montgomery gives you six and a third, two earned runs. Jake Wood, uh, Woodford gives you five and a third, no earned runs. Matt's five and two thirds, two earned runs. And Michaelis, five and two thirds, two earned runs. So what we're talking about here is Flaherty giving you two more outs, Woodford giving you two more outs, Matt's and Michaelis giving you one more out. Then all of a sudden you're getting quality starts yeah. and you win quality starts about 73% of the time. So if you can get quality starts, six innings, three or fewer earned runs, then you've got a chance to win. And the Cardinals are pretty close to that in their last trip through, through the rotation. Yeah, I, you know, it, it seems with starting pitching, it's at least trending in the right direction where you hope that you will see guys get more quality starts because we know that the bullpen cannot sustain this. It was a great bullpen day yesterday, I would say, for the Cardinals a lot of ways. I liked Giovanni Gallegos. I liked Drew Verhagen. Um, but you would just hope that starting pitching, it's going to start trending in the right direction. Yeah, and it's not going to be great every time, right? You're going to have your clunker now and then. But if you can get reasonably consistent starting pitching, if four out of the five performers can give you a quality start or close to a quality start, you're going to be in good shape. And by the way, Adam Wainwright's going to go out on a rehab stint. He'll probably only make one rehab start. And you can kind of count on re- on quality starts from Wayno because that's just who he is. Well, I think you, you were hitting the nail on the head. The quality starts, the, the six innings... Uh, or more is what we're looking at right now. I think we have 16 starts between the five starters and only three wins. Mm-hmm. And so that that tells you that they're not getting deep enough into games. The bullpen is actually going and taking over and 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 doing a good enough job. But you want those guys. We need six, seven innings. And and um, Jordan Montgomery has two of those three wins. So you know he and that's because he's gone seven innings a couple of times. You want your starters to be able to give you a little bit more uh, in more into the games and and more time on the mound, uh, so that as I said earlier, your bullpen isn't burnt up by mid June, uh, start of July, where they're just gassed because they're having to pitch so many innings. Well, at least Hicks isn't going to have a ton of innings. Oh, he'll be. I mean, that's good and bad, right? 
Low <laughs> leverage. Yeah, What's a low leverage inning right now that you're comfortable with Jordan Hicks? Like five, five runs up. Or I told down? you. I told you not last up. week. Twelve runs. Seven. Yeah. Not up. No, you got to be behind. <laughs> nah. You're saying you're saying he's the he, he's the towel. Mm-hmm. He's the fat lady. <laughs> no, no. It's just I, I don't want him to have to deal with the pressure inherent in w- leading a game. I, I mean, I think you do give him some opportunities. You know, whether you're up big or down big. Just so he can go out there and have a clean inning and not, you know, mm-hmm. get knocked around, not really work his 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 pitches. As I said, there were times I think when you are struggling, one of the worst things that can happen is you not get the calls that you think you should be getting. There was a couple of times where I think there was a couple of strikes in the in the game a few days ago where he he didn't get those calls. One of them because Wilson Contreras was trying to throw the runner out at third, yeah, yeah. and a couple of times the the ump just missed a, a pitch that was borderline a borderline strike. And when you're struggling. Those pitches don't go your way, and then it just kind of all snowballs in the wrong direction. So hopefully he can get a couple of those games where he does get a couple of clean innings and can start to gain that confidence back. Well, we do know he's not going down to Memphis to gain that confidence back, Correct. so it has to happen up here. Yeah, <laughs> There's no choice. All right, well, oh. No. Oh, we got Oh my it. gosh. There's great. the there's the birds. By the way, I mean that is beautiful bird sounds. Where did those come from? Did you go that record was, that, that outside? Yeah I, yeah, I went outside with a little no. little recorder like it's no. 75 and I got no. near a tree and I was like, here we go. All righty, let's get some gnat sounds here. <laughs> Shout out to Andrew Marsh. Courtesy for that. of Marshy. Uh, <laughs> so my bird watch and you guys probably won't be surprised, but look, we have to talk about this. The return of Lars Newtbar. Mm. I believe, and I told you guys, that I felt like it was going to be huge. Even Adam Wainwright said the energy that he brings is really, really important. But also, the fact that he's performing in his return, too. In just two games since returning from the IL, Newtbar has reached base seven times. Seven Pretty times. Impressive. Which is what you need right now. Now, have the Cardinals always capitalized on those? No. Not exactly, but that's not his fault. He's doing his job. And also, you saw him get that homer as well yesterday. Just big. You could already feel the energy that mm-hmm. he brings back. He is living his best life. And he's a really productive player. Remember, we had um, Craig Michon during the offseason. We were talking about... But this was before Pablo Lopez got traded to Minnesota, and he said that that's the guy that Skip really wanted. He said everybody around baseball analytically thought that this was going to be a big breakout year for Lars Newtbar. Maybe that's going to be the case because even without much preparation time, he only had the one rehab game right after the thumb, and he yes. comes back and he's this hot. Pretty impressive. It is really impressive. It just shows, and also you, I can't wait to see too as the season progresses. You hope that that experience of playing for Team Japan, winning the championship, that that will carry over as well too. It's a great time right now in Newt Nation for the Nutty Neuters. Yeah, it is. <laughs> You're 100% right. The, the Nutty Neuters of Newt Nation Indeed. are feeling it. They, they, are, they are feeling it. Uh, Okay, thank you. My my bird watch is, is the log jam in outfield. Just figuring out day-to-day who's going to play, who's not going to play, why this particular player is, why this particular player isn't, and really watching to see who separates themselves above the rest. I think Jordan Walker has, has in his rookie year has done a fantastic job. You know, he's he's hitting the ball in pretty much every game. I think he's one game where he didn't have a hit. But uh, but doing a good job in that in that regard, I want to see him take a step further 
in his outfielding and learning the walls, learning the bounces, how to cut off balls and, and get it in quicker. Those are things that come with more reps. But then figuring out center field and left field, is it going to be Newt who's coming off the injury? Is he going to be the one that can be the catalyst to, to take over that left field spot? Who's going to be in center? Is Does Dylan Carlson decide that, hey, you know what, I'm going to just bat one way and, and not choose to bat left-handed? Or I'm going to start seeing uh, pitching better from the left, left-handed left side. We know what he is in the outfield. Is Tyler O'Neill going to be able to stay healthy and cover enough ground in center field to take some of the pressure off of Newt if he's in left and Jordan if he's in right? Those are a lot of questions. And then Alec Burleson, what do we do with him? He's going to hit the ball, but is he going to be a, a stellar outfielder that you need in order to play every single day? That, to me, is going to be the, the most th- important thing to watch, how this log jam you know, kind of figures itself out in the outfield. I, the thing is, is that I would, I would hope that by Mike Claiborne's favorite holiday, Flag Day, mm-hmm. that something shakes out here. And I'm not wishing injury upon anyone, but we have to eventually get to the point where we kind of have a set outfield. I feel like I know that they said that they are fine with moving guys in and out, but I personally think that you would hope that at least by Flag Day they can have a more solid of who is going to be your everyday starter out in the different positions. Yeah. if um, They'll have plenty of time, and these guys will be given plenty of opportunity to become the players that the Cardinals, A, think they can be, but the players that they're capable of. And there really isn't, even though... Tyler O'Neill has years because he's been hurt so much. He doesn't have a ton of at bats. Dylan Carlson's still a young player. Didn't make his major league debut until 2020. Was third in rookie of the year voting in 2021, and then was hurt for most of last year. That, that's Carlson. Obviously, Jordan Walker is limited. Newt Bar has been up for a couple of years, but doesn't have a, a ton of experience. Normally, you want to get players a certain number of at-bats before they can really reveal themselves as a major leaguer. And the Cardinals are still in that process yeah. of having these guys grow into what they're capable of being. I think, you know, we're in April 17th. I think by by May 17th, give, give it another 30 days. You'll know who is, I mean, the averages will start to, to, to even themselves out. And you'll have an idea of who's doing well at the plate and who you can trust. It's going to boil down to who you trust most in the outfield to make that play. It doesn't have to be the spectacular play because we've seen Dylan Carlson make those spectacular plays, but make the routine play. Not, not you know, miss the cutoff man. Not decide to die for a ball that you have mm-hmm. no chance of getting and the ball, you know, skips past you and, and goes and, and the runner can get extra bases. Making the routine plays and doing the simple things, that's who's going to be in the outfield and then who's doing well at the plate. And yeah. I think in 30 days you'll have a, you have a pretty good idea who it's going to be. Uh, by the way, guys, I, I don't want to be a jerk here. But I'm going to be okay. a jerk, okay? Okay. The Cardinal bullpen ERA with Jordan Hicks right now in in the bullpen is 3.39. Oh. Well, 16 games that the Cardinal bullpen guys have been in games, okay? 16 games are 7 and 9. The Cardinal bullpen earned run average minus the Jordan Hicks numbers is 2.39. Hicks is a full run a game against the Cardinal bullpen ERA. It's not great. No. It's not great. He's he's again, he's going to have some opportunities. I would you said down 3 or 4 runs. I would prefer being up 5 or 6 runs where where he comes in and and is is given that opportunity to work himself out of it. He he has to 
He, he's going to have to work himself mm-hmm. out of it. It's not going to be any, you know, bullpen sessions or any practice sessions. It's going to have to be live game action where it's actually taking place. And you have to go out there in a moment and show I can get out of this inning. My yep. stuff is moving in the way that I needed to move, and I'm able to get batters out with the 103-mile-per-hour fastball and not get solid yeah. contact against it. And the, the scary part of that is if if you're up 7-1, to one, seventh inning, and he comes in and he walks because of three batter minimum, yeah. and he walks the first three or walks a couple and hits a guy, and now all yeah. of a sudden you got bases loaded one out, then you got problems. That's the problem. Yeah. Just don't walk the first guy. That is an issue. It's generally going to come around and score. That's key. One other note here, by the way. 2.39 would be third in Major League Baseball behind only the Brewers and the Yankees. 3.39 is 11th in Major League Baseball. So that's the effect that his struggles are having on this bullpen. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, it's time for our Rush Hour Reset, a Cardinal victory and a St. Louis City SC victory as well. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. Chip Carey, the call yesterday on Valley Sports, and the Cardinals win at 5-4 in walk-off fashion in 10 innings over the Pirates. The Cardinals getting great work out of Miles Michaelis, five and two-thirds innings. He allows two earned runs on seven hits. And you look up and down the lineup, guys, at the RBIs. It was Wilson Contreras with an RBI hit, Nolan Gorman, Lars had a couple of RBIs, and then Edmund. The Cardinals overall, five for 13 with runners in scoring position. But, Brooke, as you mentioned earlier, they had been one for 16 with the bases loaded before Tommy Edmund was able to deliver the game winner yesterday. Well, it's really interesting because John Denton just had this in his article, too, kind of breaking that down with the situation of the Cardinals not doing the best of capitalizing, especially with the bases loaded. And he also had this in this article. St. Louis has spent most of the season in baseball's top 10 in batting average, tied for fifth on base percentage, fifth, OPS seventh, but they rank 22nd in runs because they have hit just 245 with runners in scoring position. And that's something that Ali Marmol is confident is going to turn around. He thinks, and the Cardinals all believe, that they can score more runs. There's guys that can have success, and some of their underlying stuff isn't sustainable. There's other guys that are doing a really nice job, and their line doesn't look great right now. And um, I'm super hopeful, based on what we're looking at, that we'll be just fine. Yeah. I think he's talking about Wilson Contreras. Not his line doesn't look all that great. He just got up to 200 uh, yesterday with the mm-hmm. two hits. Um, but he he's a guy that you trust based off of his career, what he's done so far in the league. He's gonna he's gonna write the shit. He's gonna get things going in the right direction. Um, obviously, Goldie and, and Arenado are who they are, and and so finding you know that consistency. From your outfielders, Jordan Walker has been the most consistent. But finding the consistency, I think if Newt is healthy and, and when he's healthy, I think he's a guy that you can you can trust and count on. Um, but just really being consistent. And, and in that consistency, you'll start to see those timely hits and those timely opportunities. I, again, I think having a lineup that you have, can trot out there every single day 
may help with that consistency. At least, you know, trotting the same guys out there in the same in the same role for three or four days and seeing how they fare uh, would be good for some continuity. But uh, right now, they, they're 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 not hitting with runners in scoring position. But I think that will come around at, at some point. Well, and Tommy Edmond, Tommy Edmond's great. He's very honest in his answers, and he said after the game. Pretty much we've had games like today, speaking of yesterday, we had a lot of opportunities and didn't really get that clutch hit. And that's something that we were talking about. And we've seen statistically two for him this season. And sometimes, and he mentioned this too, is you have that, you're pressing, you have a lot of that pressure going on. He mentioned that as well, where maybe guys are just kind of overthinking it really early mm-hmm. on because you know you have the tools there. You know you have Nolan Arenado, you have Paul Goldschmidt, you have absolute stars on this team and also stars in the making it it just seems like really early on maybe the pressure really got to some of these guys because they're overthinking some of their at-bats yeah i think that's a big part of it cardinals will play the diamondbacks tonight they'll send jack flaherty to the mound against merrill kelly and that's a 645 game at the ballpark meanwhile a dominant performance on saturday night over at city park by st louis city fc they beat fc cincinnati by a score of five to one on the pitch wearing their white kits by the way uh, nice. After a long delay, and you, you win it, you guys want to weigh in here. You like the white kits? I love yes. them. I, I want one. Yeah, yeah. The spirit kits. I like that name too. Spirit. Spirit kits. Yeah. Oh, kind of ghostly. A little bit, maybe. Oh, spirit okay. of St. Louis. Oh, that's good. Oh, there you go. Good thought. Well, go. now our side, because that's what we call them, Matthew. Right? Our yes. side yes. is six and two on the season. Six, mm-hmm. six zero and two. Six zero and two. That's right. Six. No draws. Kind of weird. Uh, and and, and <laughs> two defeats. So, Bradley Carnell, how do you prevent this club from resting on its laurels? This is about us, right? And if external expectations are growing after eight match days, we know where those expectations were after before match day one, right? So we're not playing that game. We're playing the game that we want to control and dictate, and uh, we'll, we'll leave the outside chatter. We'll just leave it as that, outside chatter. You know, what we discuss internally, what we want to achieve internally, stays with us and drives us every single day. And, you know, I don't think there's any cause for complacency when you, you've just lost your last two games and you didn't score a goal, right? So that pushed us. We were unhappy about that. And, yeah, the guys, you know, I wanted them to play with courage, drive, and passion, and, and that's what they did. Eight match days is beautiful. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Uh, eight match days is what they've had, and they're six and two in those eight match days. And I am, for one, excited about it. I, I, I think you know he hit the nail on the head. They were, they weren't happy with the results they had the last couple of games. Not scoring, not getting those opportunities. Uh, came out in this game, and and despite the delay, this uh, match. Which, excuse me, this match. Mm-hmm. I just said match days. What is wrong yeah, with me? Right. Despite the delay. The match was delayed. They still came out and did their job and did a fantastic job and got a win. Yeah, I mean, two hours of that delay. That's a long time. That is, especially for a player. It is difficult to get back into that mode of playing when you you, you run out and you're ready to roll and then they say, nope, we're going to sit down and and rest for a little bit and you don't know how long. (laughs) But the response was great. You could tell, and to your point too with that, you could tell how prepared they were for that game, even with that delay, because the way that they were able to come out, set the tone early, it's like they got back to their game, their identity, what we've seen early on with this group. And Cincinnati had allowed just four goals all season going Mm -hmm. into that game. Here's another thing to think about is, is being the home team and having that delay is a little bit easier 
I would assume, than being the road team mm-hmm. uh, because you're more familiar with your own locker room. You're you're the visiting team. You're in a different place. I don't know how big you know soccer locker rooms are, but I've been in some visiting locker rooms where we had two or three people to a locker. It, Baltimore comes to mind. It's not a lot of space in that locker room to, to stretch out and move around. And so not only are you you waiting, but you're extremely uncomfortable because you're 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 in there, everybody's clustered in there and everybody's in there in a tight spot and not having much room to, to move around. Yeah, it, it was just a great game. City SC setting the tone. I mean, that game was done by the first half, scoring three goals in just the first half half alone. Jared Shroud has been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. I mean, a goal and assist in that first half as well. I mean, he was a monster out there. But, I mean, a lot of guys, too. Johnny Nelson as well was fantastic in the game. I mean, they just put out kind of like a highlight reel of what he was doing. And the way that the players are able to maneuver so quickly through other teams, it, it's really fun to see. It's awesome. So that is your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. A couple of notes from up and down the hallway. Number one, I don't know if you two saw Learn walking around in a prom dress this morning. No, it's Learn's first that. day with the Riz Show down oh. the hall. And she's wearing a prom dress? She's wearing a prom dress. Oh. Uh, it's a, uh, a Riz Show-themed prom dress. Oh, I, guess, nice. I guess because their other new... Uh, their over other new host Rafe mm-hmm. when he did he wore a tuxedo for day one. There you go. <laughs> so I guess she had to she had to match so it. She's got the prom dress going. And the announcement was made apparently official that right next door to us, our friend John Hewlett is going to retire from radio uh, in May. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a bummer not having him in the hall. But what a blessing! For me to be able to work with John Hewlett for the last four or five years, and especially once we started mornings right next door to each other, to be able to see one of the nicest people Mm -hmm. and one of the greatest broadcasters, one of the most iconic people that have ever graced our town, to be able to stand around and just talk with John Hewlett, a legend, has been a real honor for me. He has a lot of words of wisdom, a lot of gems that he can drop because he's been doing it so long. And uh, it's just really, really cool to, to, to be in this building with so many great people. Uh, but but you, man, is, 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 is the man. So. Well, and also Jamie Rivers just announced on Instagram that he's returning for another two Look years. Wow. Yay. All right. Go Rivs. Yeah. Rivs is doing a great job in the fast lane, so good for him. Yes. I guess that means I'm done, probably. <laughs> <laughs> they, gave, they gave him all the money. The salary cap is used up. The salary. <laughs> just, just they'll, they'll find some money just for you. Just joking. Uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN, more on the reaction to Doug Armstrong's press conference on Saturday as the Blues finished off their season last week with Army. And we're going to talk about that. And then we'll have Curbs at the bottom of the hour talking more Blues here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. This is the opening drive on 101 ESPN, brought to you by Sumner One. I, I haven't decided, but I'm saying that there's certainly a possibility there couldn't be, but I guarantee we won't be announcing one uh, in the next few months. <laughs> That's a problem. 917 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Okay, Kerry Davis, why is that a problem? Well, if you don't know who is leading your team, then do you have a leader? I mean, if you are a team that is just aimlessly wandering through the through the woods, you want someone to be the person to say, "Hey, we're going to go this direction. We're going to go, "Hey, don't touch that. Don't do that. We need do this. Don't do If you don't have that voice, that person, then you're going to get kind of the same results that you got this year. You need people as a team on a team that are are the leaders of that team that everyone can go to 
with their gripes, with their complaints, with their concerns, and when they are not holding up their end of the bargain, that person is the one that comes to you. I, I told this story before. We played the San Diego Chargers in the in the divisional round. I got stopped on the third down. I got stopped at the goal line for a touchdown. And I, I think I dropped a pass. And so this is before we play in the AFC Championship game uh, against the Ravens. James Ferrier, I'm sitting in the training room getting some treatment. Hey, 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 what's up, man? You good? Yeah, I'm good. You sure you good? Because, man, we need you to do – we need you to get that first down. We need you to get that touchdown. We need you to make that catch. And just that conversation, the next game I started the opening game with the knocking out one of the Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens. I picked up a crucial third down conversion late in that game to allow us to keep the ball and be able to, to, to eat up some more of the clock. Those things come from leaders. You do not want to let your leaders down on a team. And if you don't have a guy that you go to or lean on and, and, and have those conversations with, you're not going to be a successful team. In my opinion, the only guy right now that stands out like a like Rudolph's nose is Braden Shen. Yeah. Well, he and you also look to who the Blues kind of send out for media availabilities, right? I can tell you the two guys they sent out the most after the Ryan O'Reilly trade mm-hmm. would be Braden Shen and Robert Thomas. Mm-hmm. Was there When there was a bad game or something needed to be answered in that regard, it was those two that were consistently the most sent out. And I don't know, I'm not exactly sure. Sometimes, of course, we're requesting players because they send out three players typically in their post game. And sometimes you request certain players. But I can tell you on a consistent basis, if there was a bad game, it was Robert Thomas and Braden Shin that were being sent out to talk to media members. So that's another part of wearing the C as well, is that you have to be able to handle the media scrutiny, answer the tough questions, you know, be faced with that a lot. So I thought that was pretty telling that Braden Shin has always kind of been one of the guys that they would send out there because he's been wearing the A. But now you're starting to see that they are putting Robert Thomas out there more in those situations to see how he handles those tough questions. And there's a lot of bad teams that have good young players. But when you have a Shen, when you have a Falk, when you have a Bennington, it doesn't seem like you should be in for a long drought. Doug Armstrong, what about this rebuild? I say we're at the 50-yard line, and I'm hoping to go towards the offensive zone, not the defensive zone from the 50. I, I said to a couple of the players, this is the most self-serving comment I'm going to be able to make in one day, is that with Shen and Buchnevich and Saad and Kairou and Thomas and Perenko and Falk and Letty and Krug and Bennington, can't believe it's a total rebuild. Like, I, I just... I don't. I don't think those guys would allow that to happen. They, you know, they were part of, they were part of a, a snowball that was going down the hill that they couldn't stop. Well, we're at the bottom now. I can't believe that that they're not. They'll ever. They'll ever allow it to get here again. Well, also, I thought something was telling that he said is that his summer project is not going to be naming a captain or trading first round picks. It's going to be finding out what makes young players tick which I thought was pretty interesting because they Good have luck. a team psychologist on staff. And and look, I you can look at it this way. He's sticking to his comments. He's been very consistent in that. It's, you know, he's looking towards that new young wave of players, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. looking to them to really take things over. He wants to find out what makes them work, what makes them tick. But at the same time, some of the guys, are they completely ready for that? Terry's shaking his head. Hey, if he can figure that out, I mean, he's got a billion-dollar game plan on his well, hands. If, if, if anyone 
can figure out the one thing that makes young players tick. And, and I'm talking about this this new era of young players because I, I we gave I gave you the, the scenario earlier where Mike Conley was talking about mm-hmm. we got to be locked into the playbook and not playing video games. And literally, as he's walking in to do his press conference, Cat <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns, hey Mike, we gonna call of duty tonight? Like if you can figure out how to make young players tick and what will keep them engaged into becoming champions, then, sir, I, I will I will sit. You can sell that online or, or in person for, for a lot of money. Well, I, I thought it was interesting that Army said five or six years ago he had kids that were that age, and he knew because of his own kids what the young players were thinking. Doug, uh, Ken Hitchcock, when he came back, Ken Hitchcock, he was out of coaching for six or seven or eight months, and he went to seminars to find out how players were different then. This was 2012. I don't know that there is, like you say, Kerry, a, a roadmap, a, a guide to figure out how to get players to play hard all the time. And I thought the Army comment, to, to paraphrase, was interesting. He said, these guys play 18 minutes a night for an 18-second YouTube clip that gets played a million times. Not that that's a bad thing, but how do we get the 18 seconds and then get the 18 minutes out of them, too? You have to have veteran leadership that has done it at a high level that they respect, that they listen to, and that they are willing to uh, uh, follow and, and, and really allow them to be guided into being becoming champions or, or becoming great players. You don't learn how to be a great player just by showing up in an NHL locker room or an NFL locker room or, or, or any locker room. You learn how to be a great player by watching other great players. I learned from watching Isaac and Aeneas in the summertime, mm-hmm. from listening to Hines, who would say week week 12, hey, we only got a few more paychecks left. Don't go spending your money frivolously. Take care of your money. You only got two or three of these left. Those things come from guys that have been there, and you're listening to those people tell you how to be successful. And if you're not willing to buy in or pay attention to it, you're going to struggle. Well, and that's why you know I pointed to this earlier, but with what happened the offseason leading into this season, I think really affected the voice, that leadership voice in there. We know how big David Perron was. I mean, with the how public that was, too, you know that those tensions carried on to the season where you had Perron, a very big voice, I mean, has been a part of the Blues organization for a while, and to have that all play out so publicly where Perron said he wanted to say how hard it was for his kids having to tell him that they're leaving St. Louis, mm-hmm. and you know that affected the players going Going in the season, and Braden Shin even said, you know, that they were disconnected from the start. And the other part I wonder here is not only do you lose Perron, but those players all knew that Ryan O'Reilly was a UFA and mm-hmm. the two other players had the contract. So, yeah. as much respect as he commanded in that room, I would have to believe that if he tried to lead, there were young players that were saying, you're not, you're not even going to be here yeah, next year. Exactly. Why, why do I need to listen to you? And, and that it comes down to the construction of the team, mm-hmm. who gets paid, how, how you want to move forward. Essentially, when you paid those two younger players, you're telling the team, this is the direction we're going in. And if you don't offer Tarasenko or, or O'Reilly a new contract, you're pretty much letting everyone know where we are, who the new leaders are of the team, and when other guys are talking, it's like, eh, you, I only, it, it becomes white noise. I only got to listen to this for three more months, four more months. Okay. Yep. Now, one other Army comment. As the Blues try to do this competitive, quick rebuild, what could go wrong? I'm not going to be shocked if we're in the playoffs next year, and I'm not going to be shocked if we do damage next year in the playoffs. But also if we 
we need to be playing meaningful games a lot longer than we played this year, or else we maybe, maybe my assessment of the guys I just talked about was was incorrect, and we are in a rebuild, and we'll deal with it then. But I, I don't think we're there yet. But as you can tell by the wavering of that answer, I'm not 100% committed to that either. Well, he, he talked about practice and, and how practices weren't going in the way that they needed to go. That comes from leadership and that comes from guys really buying in. And there's a quote that, that I hear all the, t- all the time. I was watching something and, and it was Bama and Nick Saban coaches said, hey, we're going to do this until you get it right. Talking to a player. And Nick said, no, we aren't. We're going to do it until you don't get it wrong. We're going to continue to rep this thing over and over again till you don't. And that mindset is a mm-hmm. change. We're going to do it till you get it right. And sig- signifies we're going to do it over until you get it right. Then we're going to move on to the next thing. And you saying we're going to do it till you don't get it wrong means we're going to continue to hammer this style into your brain until you know no other way but this way. And if they aren't practicing in the right way, they I don't care who you bring in. I don't care what your philosophy is. You are not going to win games. It's going to start in practice and having that mindset every single day it's almost like you need uh and that's what i really liked about patrick maroon i brought him up in the past about having him around and what's what works so well even though his style of playing is kind of going out of style in a lot of ways you know it it works so well because he had he found a way to connect with the younger players the veterans he was able to kind of relax the environment in a lot of ways too and have fun but also he was respected enough where he could hold players accountable too. Mm-hmm. How, how big is uh, Patrick Maroon? Patrick Maroon is six three two thirty ish. What's his nickname? Mm-hmm. Big Rig. Okay, big rig. so here, here here's something that that people need to understand about sports. When you're bigger, mm-hmm. and you have the threat of maybe punching someone in the face. <laughs> People tend to listen yeah, to that yeah, as well. Right, right. Like, I, I, and they've that, seen that, you do it. That comes with it. Like, there's a level of respect because, hey, you can play. But as also, if I say something slick, you might actually punch me in the face. You know what, big guy? Whatever you, let's do it. I'm with it. I want to say one other thing. I really, and Doug Armstrong is going to be on with BK and Ferrario at 1115. I really appreciate his honesty in saying, hey, I, I need to find out what makes these players tick. I don't know anymore. If he had to do it all over again, I bet he wouldn't hire a 64-year-old assistant coach. How does a 64-year-old Craig McTavish relate to a 23-year-old Jordan Cairo or uh, a 19-year-old Jake Neighbors? It's just, it, it, they can respect him all they want, but we've talked about Deion Sanders' son. Mm-hmm. Say, Deion's yeah. trying to teach him how to play quarterback. He said, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so how does Craig McTavish... Provide knowledge to a 19 or a 20 or 21-year-old. So I really do appreciate Doug Armstrong understanding his shortcomings and trying to repair them. Uh, Yeah, I I do too. I think that hopefully the new hires, I think, will be really telling about what this – what this team can do going to the season because you need to change something. Defensively, it's not working, so that's going to have to be a big, giant change. And, I mean, the thing is is that you have guys in there that you know that – should play well defensively if you're looking at that group, but they were just completely off this entire season. And so finding somebody that can right that ship, get the best out of those players, but at the same time, too, you got to figure out special teams as well. Yeah. And so that these are a lot of things that are going to have to be addressed with this new coaching staff and guys who can also find a way to really relate to these younger players and, as I mentioned, bring out the best 
in them. It, it boils down to the players actually wanting to do it, though. It, it, it You can have the greatest coach in the world. You can have, you know, the greatest players leading that team. It, it boils down to guys actually wanting to win and doing the things that are required to win games. And if, don't, if you're not, then you're not going to win. And that's why Robert Thomas needs to become a leader at a young age. Because you need a, a 24-year-old that can go to the 22-year-old or the 19-year-old yeah. and say, hey, I'm the guy that holds you accountable. Right. Here's the way it's going to be here. That's Kerry. That's Brooke coming up uh, next here on the opening drive. We're going to talk to the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Chris Kerber standing by on the celebrity line. And we're going to start with this because I asked Brooke during the break, I said, what's your next concert? And she said, well, maybe Shania Twain, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater during the summer. So, uh, Kerry and, and Curbs, I'll, I'll say it. I'm all in on going on going to a Shania Twain concert. Mm. CD? Ah, nah, I'm okay. Okay, good. Uh, why pass. not? I, I don't know any Shania Twain songs. Oh maybe my my God. Hero. I feel like a woman. Okay, I do know that one. Okay, there. But I don't know any other I can't other sing, so I won't. I just tried to. <laughs> uh, Chris Kerber is with us. Kerber, is he all in or not? Hey, she's an entertainer. I'll go to any show. Yeah, she's, There you go. Yeah, you got the right idea. Janet Jackson is yeah. coming here April 30th. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's, oh, is she really? Yeah, that one's... Yeah, that, was, that, one's, that one ought to be good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would yeah. think that you're, you're probably all in on that, oh, too. Janet Jackson, yes, sir. What, yeah. what kind of music do you like, Kerbs? Are you, are you heavy metal? I feel like you're heavy metal. Oh man, I've got it. I've got everything. Like I, I literally, I have everything from like Metallica to Neil Diamond to the Canadian Tenors to ACDC to I mean, I, I literally have just about every genre represented in uh, in my phone. I could see you listening to some jazz as well, Curbs. Oh yeah, like I, yeah, I yeah. maybe smoking a cigar, having a nice drink, listening to some jazz, just just really chilling out. Well, listen. Sometimes when you just hit shuffle, like when you're driving down the car, you got it on here in the house, and the, the looks I'll get from my wife when, like, <laughs> it, it'll go from like it'll go from Harry Connick Jr. to ACDC to the Zac Brown Band, <laughs> to, like, and it's just it's it's kind of all over the place. But you got you got to have you got to have different stuff. They, like, I mean, if the mood is right, jazz is perfect, right? Yes. Uh, some Neil Diamond on a, on a summer afternoon when the beer sounds good. Sometimes it's uh, when Gracie and I drive down to the hockey games. You know, she we we kind of have a thing now where we definitely have to have ACDC playing on a drive down to the hockey game. So uh, we got I, I got it all. I my the first the first concert I ever went to was uh, was actually the Monkees at Six Flags, and then uh, it was so, the Monkees. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll go, I'll go see anything. Okay, listen, the monkeys are fan. Listen, the monkeys are fantastic. Didn't the guy they die? Still good. Well, well, most of the band has died. Yeah, but, so, but otherwise, but, they're fantastic. I mean, well, listen, you, people people still listen to Frank Sinatra. He's been dead a bit. Yeah, that's a good that, point. That is, <laughs> but they, they they don't go to Frank Sinatra concerts though. <laughs> no, but they do go to Frank Sinatra cover bands. But although I do believe. I don't think Mike Nesmith, I think Mike Nesmith and Mickey Dolan, which were two, so Davy Jones died and Peter Tork died um, from from the Monkees. I think Mike Nesmith 
and Mickey Dolan are still alive. Mike stopped touring with them a long time ago when they were touring, but Mickey Dolan still does some stuff around where they play some old monkeys tunes when he's on stage. Nice. Well, I guess we'll get into some blues talk here, Curbs. So I wanted to get what your thoughts. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts on how uh, Saturday went. The comments that came out. I was saying earlier, it kind of felt like a therapy session. They kind of confirmed a lot of things that I think fans and media and everybody was kind of feeling. And Braden Shin had. I felt like some of the more interesting comments where he said he felt like they were disconnected from the start of the season. What were your takeaways? Uh, so I um, I gave a speech last night to, to, at the Parkway West uh, hockey banquet that they celebrated their season and um, and and I used, I actually opened that speech up with that quote from Braden Shen because we focused on that speech about teammates and teamwork and and how that's so critical to, to be successful and I, and I thought Braden Shen's quote of we from the get-go we never came together as a team may be the single best and most telling quote to summarize this season you know all the different questions we, we get asked to doing these hits and all these different things what about the power play the defense all this other stuff the, the team never felt connected as a unit of five up and down the ice and I, I reflected in preparing for, for the speech last night I reflected on the cup season of 19 and at some point, you know, we'll reflect on that for a long time until another one is met one, obviously, but uh, it, it was that, that team just had a different feeling and a different vibe. And, and I thought that that feeling was still there in 1920, uh, maybe a tad in, in the, in the 2021 season, but I felt it's kind of left ever since. And, um, and I think that that to me is going to be, that, that That is problem number one and area to fix for the St. Louis Blues, no matter who's on this roster going into next year. Curves, there was uh, some some comments by Doug Armstrong in, in terms of the practice and his thoughts of how practice went leading into the games. Can you, uh, Rock, play that for us? Well, it's going to start in training camp. Uh, I think we have to have a, a highly competitive camp. I think there has to be a standard uh, that we set in camp. I th- also think it's our practice habits. There was too many practices where where we would not shoot enough. We would miss the net in our, in our shot attempts. We would overpass it. So we've, we've talked about leadership. We've talked about practice. Does this just boil down to guys buying in and, and the leaders of the team, I don't want to say forcing guys to do their job, but really holding guys to accountable to do their job so that they have great practices and therefore they can have great games? Yeah, and I think I think what Doug Armstrong is saying that, I, I think he's he's – He's talking to the coaches uh, in terms of uh, how practices are run and uh, the expectation there. And I think then obviously he's talking to the players. It's, it's again, it's another step off of what Braden Shen and Justin Falk said. And I think it's a terrific comment and he's, he's not wrong. You'd, you'd watch the power play getting worked on in practice and you'll see a scene pass that Robert Thomas is trying to connect on. And, and you know, you got to practice it to make it go right. Well, that play just never seemed to transpire this season. And when you see, when you see exactly what you're practicing happen exactly that same way in the game, I think it speaks to what Doug Armstrong is talking about. So too many shots missing the net, not bearing down. Um, whether it be just not coming focused enough to, to really work hard and improve, I think, I think all that is a fair assessment from this past season where – and. Trying to understand the why is, is one where you really get into the mind of a, uh, and the psyche of an athlete. 
you know, I think the snow, but the season really started to snowball the wrong way. And I talked to Tori Krug about this. It's very, it was very hard to get a hold of it again. Um, and at times impossible, it felt. But uh, yeah, it, I, I think it's a great comment by Doug Armstrong talking about the practice and, and the habits because when you hear other players and, and Army talking about uh, professionalism, you know, showing up to work, that kind of stuff. Um, it's very clear what their directive is to prepare for this summer. Hey, Kerbs, one last thing before we let you go. We get a text from the 314. Got a question for Kerber. What's his go-to golf course for the summer? Ooh, uh, (laughs) that's okay. That's a good. All right. So, well, I I play up at Glen Echo. Mm -hmm. I love that course. Fantastic. Um, The the, the oldest course west of the Mississippi and the home of the 1904 Olympics, right? Yep. So uh, that's one. I have always, always, been impartial to Forest Park. I, I, I started playing there. I love the course. Uh, I, 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 even when they redid it, I do miss the 670-yard skinker hole and bouncing <laughs> it off the front of a Toyota coming down the street. But, uh, uh, but, but that, that, one's, uh, that, one's, uh, that one's another go-to uh, one for me. Uh, the nine-hole Baldwin course right here near the house is, uh, is another good one. So those are, I think those those are three for me. There you go. There's a broadcaster that's yeah. not broadcasting in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Curbs, love you, brother. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Stretching in April is very different than stretching in May and June. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. Hey, we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for the time. We'll see you. Uh, all right. Have an awesome week, you three. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Chris Kerber, Voice of the Blues on 101 ESPN. Next up. We're going to head down the stretch with a little edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and Matthew Rock, Gio, with Rock and Roll. Well, last night in uh, the NBA playoffs, Russell Westbrook had to fight through a rough three for 19 night to end up making one of the biggest plays of the game. Westbrook? Westbrook. Westbrook. We we call him Westbrook. Westbrook. Uh, If you see him after the game or at halftime, you might want to call him Brook as well. Thank you, Carrie, because (laughs) not only did he fight through a little adversity on the court, but he had a little struggle off the court. This was Westbrook and a fan at halftime. That was Westbrook in a, it looks like kind of like a like a family fan kind of area right next to the court, a VIP area. Talking to the fan, you hear the fans say, don't talk about it, be about it. Uh, Westbrook curses him out. They had to be separated by an attendant at the game. And then Westbrook went out and threw up some more bricks and then made the game-winning play on a Devin Booker uh, layup. But another instance in just it seems the line between the fans and the players continuing to blur this just a week <laughs> after anthony rendon got in a, a verbal match and, and made contact with a fan at, at an a's game so it, it just kind of keeps popping off yeah bradley bill had an incident yeah, you, you got uh, here's too. the thing when you're a professional athlete you got to ignore it um because when you when you give them 
I guess any attention, it kind of fuels their fire to continue to be idiots. They're having beverages more times than not. Mm -hmm. You are not. You have more to lose than they do in terms of money, time on the court, opportunities. They are maybe lose their uh, privileges to go to a game, but you're still going to lose more than they are. I I do feel, however, there is a line that, that can be crossed from fans saying and doing certain things. Anytime, I think Chris Paul last year, his family was being uh, bothered in the stands. Mm-hmm. Like anytime you deal with somebody's family, uh, name calling, whatever. But if you get to saying something or doing something, DeMar DeRozan's daughter was receiving threats for for her screaming uh, during the Raptors game when she was she was yelling every time they went to the free throw free throw line. Anytime you get to dealing with somebody's family. Now, if you get punched in the face, you probably deserve it, and whatever I lose in that in that regard is well worth it. Agreed. But here's the thing: now, and NBA fans are a different breed because they know they can affect the game, right? And now they've known for a while that Russ has a thin skin. Yes. So yes. you, he's chumming the water for them. The the fans that are going to be the most raucous, they're going to be after him relentlessly because they know they can affect him. The whole video is just amazing for a lot of different reasons. But if you even look closely, I think like the guy's son is sitting there and he's literally <laughs> inhaling <laughs> ham like or something on his plate. Like Wait, literally, I'm, if, look yeah. at the clip. He's not using a fork. He was actually like was inhaling. Or, yeah, it was something, <laughs> but he was like inhaling it. But also to your point too, I think everybody knows with what <laughs> you see it with yeah. Westbrook. You can get under his skin super easily. I've always wondered how players felt, too, about... So what it is, it's kind of like a lounge for special ticket holders, that that specific area. Mm -hmm. I always wonder how players feel about that. You know, being so close and where you kind of have people right there next to you when you're coming in and out of the locker room, which can be very heated situations. I've actually been in that area in Phoenix before. Oh, you have? Yeah, and it is amazing that there aren't more interactions between uh, negative interactions between players and fans you just should be respectful of the game i mean you know yelling screaming uh you you're terrible you stink that's part of the the business we we get that but when you become when your words or attacks become very personal then now as a man you know it's not texas you can't challenge them to a duel but you know pretty close close (laughs) i think in arizona everybody's got a gun (laughs) well there you go so you might be able to that too or just a snake in their boot um another thing coming out of the nba that i thought was funny carrie's already referenced this uh twice with mike conley and and uh carl anthony towns but i the the audio is even better because when you think about it you're like wait a second did towns like hear him say that and he's like making a joke about it and you can hear the background talk between the reporters as it happens that kind of gives you the exact timeline of how it happens that makes it so much worse than when you first hear here's the audio what vets do and guys who've won championships like that's the kind of attention to detail you got to have. Um, you can't just go home and play video games. Like, this is the time to, to do a little extra work. So you guys have to leave the podium. What's good? He said not to do that. Watch some film first. The playoff veteran, Mike Conley. And so as he's walking off, he literally says it to Conley. After Conley says it, the reporters are trying to tell him, he literally just told us this is something you don't want to be talking about. They're trying to, like, tell Cat, no, 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 he just made a joke about this as he's making and He had to Again, didn't Downs have to hear it? I don't think he did. I don't think he did. That's why I think it's actually worse. I'm like hearing it here. I think Towns 
straight up just stepped right into it. I mean, like, not exactly the level of, like, Dwight Howard, like, talking uh, talking down on Stan Van Gundy and then immediately walking behind him and, like, putting his arm around him, which is a big <laughs> NBA moment. So, like, I, I literally think he was that out of place and was that perfectly timed. I was with you, Randy. I'm like, this kind of sounds like a setup. I don't know here. I think it isn't. I think he walked into the room, and the first thing that he said was, Call of Duty, Mike? Like, he... he and I mean, he he wasn't watching the, the report. If he, They lose by 29. They lost by 29. Like, yeah. He's going to have plenty of time to play Call of Duty. This is what Mike Conley is talking about. We are veteran-led teams. We are, and, and, and here's a guy who's obviously doing the right thing mm-hmm. or trying to get his teammates to do the right thing. And they're not listening because the star of the team wants to do what? Is, Play Call of Duty. This is what Doug Armstrong's talking about. So if Doug Armstrong can figure out how to get a Carl Anthony Towns to lock in and figure out the way of the world of how his mind works and be locked in for an entire 48 minutes and locked in when he goes home, he can sell it. I, I will I will assist. I, I, I'll get in on that. I'll be on the the front line of that, that venture. Hey, we... Uh... We have Doug Armstrong coming up on the station at 11.15 with BK and Ferrario. We do have, uh, coming up, by the way, a little balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax. That'll be fun. And again, if you didn't hear us earlier, congratulations to our friend John Hewlett, who is next door at Casey, and he's going to retire in May. U-Man is one of the all-time great people and one of the all-time legendary broadcasters in our town. He is still, though, doing... He'll do the Sunday morning show, and he'll still do Cardinals PA. There he's go. he's nice. going to do that. So. We got a lot of text about that. Yes. Yeah. They were, wor- they yeah. were worried you about him leaving. Out. Bush yeah. Stadium as well. He will be oh, yeah. there. He'll he'll be there probably forever. Yes, good for him. Yeah, so well, <laughs> as much as forever can be. And then also, uh, welcome to uh, learn to the morning. She said she'll never get used to it. I talked to her already in the hallway, and she's not used to it. She's very very tired this morning. <laughs> she did afternoons at Casey. I know what it's like to go from <laughs> afternoons to mornings. Um, so yeah, good luck with that. Uh, it just takes a little bit. I went from nights to mornings, yep. and, and you're handling it very well. It's up. I try. Well, this is my second cup of coffee, so I think I'm powered by coffee. Now you know what coffee's made for. There yes, you go. Yes, exactly. It, it takes a little bit. I definitely feel like an old lady sometimes where I'm just like, by 10 o'clock, I'm like, all right, I'm pooped. You're not, you're not I'm old. I'm away. Yeah. You're not old till you sit on the edge of the bed when you wake up and, and contemplate. Oh, oh no. Yeah, you got to take a deep breath, right? You gotta... <laughs> I've done that a couple like. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't be doing that. Oh no! Oh no! Contemplation. No. Great job by our producer engineer Matthew Rocchio. Uh, pleasure. Hope to, hope to see you tomorrow. I'm a little worried right now. Yeah. Uh, old lady Brooke. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Great job. I you need, are really I need to an old have lady. My cane to help me out of here, you know, so, or wheel me out. And I always yeah. thought, just I, I, I was going to be man. I feel like a woman. Uh, CD. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7 for the Meh Day. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.